and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Thomas Dean Patrick Donnelly, and we are in round 14, turn 7, and today we'll be travelling to the Emerald Isle, the ancestral homeland of my people, to talk about a new game from someone named Pierre Sylvester. Doesn't, doesn't sound like a local. Uh, and he's, we're, he developed a game called Brian Baru. Brian Baru, I don't have to tell anyone who Brian Baru is. Of course, all of your history books have entire chapters on the legend of Brian Baru. Uh, but we'll be getting into that. And we'll also be debating our top five most interesting uh, area majority, area influence games. One of our favorite mechanisms. And since we are going to be doing this, the person that uh, brought me Brian Baru and said, we must, must, must do this review, which, which warmed my heart I, to, to, no, to no end, is our own omni-gamer, Candice. How are you, Candice? I'm doing well, thanks, Tom. <laughs> it's, I'm appreciating the accent, it's too. It's great to have you here. Well, you know, when, when I play Brian Baru, I literally can't stop the accent. And uh, Witness. To, to our Irish friends, uh, I hope I'm not too lucky charms. Uh, I hope it's, it's a, a bit more toned down than I can sometimes get. And uh, since we are doing a debate for our topic who else could we have debate with us but the opinionated gamer ben how are you sir i'm doing very well and i'm using all my willpower to not join in with my irish accent because as as you did mention last night my irish accent goes like hardcore leprechaun and i'm like (laughs) you know we do like you know it's like you know that is like it is it is a people as like i'm like i'm going to just you know rein it in for myself today because i don't want to you know offend all of our you know irish our irish <laughs> listeners because because i will i will by accident <laughs> in my in my own attempts to just sound like very irish i will just go like way shoot way past the mark well you know there is a thing in ireland about the uh, the american irish person right. and how um, hugely proud and largely ignorant they are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at the same time. Um, St. Patrick's Day in the United States and Irish-American communities is a massive, massive thing. In Ireland, it is mostly not. It is, right. it is mostly not. So there's there's a... And, and I should... I'll cop to it. I am... Uh, I'm American mega Irish is, uh, is what we <laughs> mega Irish, mega Irish. Your next level Irish. So there is this thing where, because the Irish were so oppressed for so long, they have a repatriation program, which means that because so many people have been sent away and sent abroad and, you know, uh, banished to penal colonies in, in Australia and, uh, had to escape economic or, uh, or political hardship, um, and to America and all places or to places. If you can trace your lineage, uh, back to a grandparent, uh, who was born in Ireland, uh, you can reclaim your Irish citizenship. And that is something that a number of years ago I did. Wow. Oh, so cool. I am a, I am a citizen of the Republic of Ireland. Really? I, I have two passports. I have an American passport and I oh. have an Irish passport. So oh. I, that means I'm a member of the EU. Wow. 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 Yeah. Look at EU. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what an honor. So, sitting what, across what the an table. international episode. <laughs> I, not to get too political, but over the last four years, I've uh, often 
carried my Irish passport with me as though it were the only life preserver on the boat. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I love the country. Every time I, I get to go, uh, I absolutely adore it. And so I'll be looking forward to talking. Were your parents born here or were they born in Ireland? Um, sounds like they were born here. Three of my four grandparents were born in Ireland. Wow. Uh, all of my parents were, both of my parents, all of my parents, both of my, both of my parents were born in, uh, in New York City. Okay. Well, that's a okay. pretty common trajectory right there. It is. It is indeed. Um, so I had a choice of grandparents and it, it was, a, it was a, uh, an adventure because what you had to do is you had to get all of these historical documents to show that. So I had to find my, I had to get my father's, I went through my father, so I, I had to get my father's uh, birth certificate, marriage certificate. Um, I had to get my grandfather's uh, death certificate, marriage certificate, and birth certificate Wow, from wow. from the old country. I mean, that's really, 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 you, know, you have to go in and, and find all that sort of stuff. So, and on my grandfather's birth certificate, it is signed by my great-grandfather, and they have to list your profession and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I did. I And you learn things. My great-grandfather was an Irish pig buyer. That, that oh. was his. Oh, that's so Uwe <laughs> Rosenberg. Yeah, I was going to say so Agricola or something. <laughs> if you pig notice, buyer. whenever I play Agricola, I go hardcore boar. <laughs> I did not notice now that. it all makes sense. Yeah. That's why, as in, in honor of my great-grandfather, the pig, is- the pig buyer. This is like lovely. I just want just like Tom's Tales of Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a spinoff podcast. I actually do. When we get to the review, I do want to circle back to that a little bit, but I'm not going to do it now, but we'll get into it. But I do want to circle back because there is something about Brian Boru, about one of our sessions. Boru. Boru. Brian Boru. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That there, Brian Boru. (laughs) But there was something. There's if. Please remind me to bring up this thing that's on my mind that actually pertains to you, Tom. Oh, so, yeah, mm. no, and it, no, it's 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 not a no. It's it's positive. Mm-mm-mm. Nine times Scandalous. out of ten, when you say and it pertains yeah. to you, Tom, it is no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is it's a little tease for later in the episode. For it's not really that exciting, but something I wanted to share. Well, enough about me, Candace. How are you doing right now? What's I am going on? doing really well because last night I slept through the night for the first time all week. So lots of lots of, uh, lots of day job pressure. Is that right? It, it's that. It's. It, BS drama with my neighbor and They're all, not all out sorts yet? of well he he's he's out mostly but we've had uh water running in his tub for the past couple of days and no. his bathroom is right up against our bedroom and I think I was just like I just wake up every 15 minutes like thinking I hear someone walking around in there oh, and boy. you know just like weird weird kind of trigger things but also yeah I started the week off on the wrong foot by like going to bed at 3 a.m. because I was finishing up my Kanban EV article. Right. And then I, you know, wake up early for work. Right. And then try to go to bed early, but then can't yep. sleep. And you can yeah. get out of, you can get out of sync really easy. Yeah. And it's super hard to get back in, isn't it? I feel good though. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good refreshed. This like refreshed yeah. and ready to go. Yeah. And Ben, how are you doing today this this fine day, sir? I'm great. I uh it's been a really fun week. We had a really fun game night last night. Oh, I mean, oh, it was God. a quick turnaround. I mean, it was we were I was here like eleven hey. hours ago. You're in <laughs> Tom's think, office. Less. Less. Um I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm very, very happy. I really got almost all of my chatter out last week when I was hosting. So I don't have too many anecdotes. I'm just, I'm in a great happy place well, this it morning. Sounds like we should get right into this week's game night. 
See, there were a few games, but we had a game night on Tuesday. Uh, Matt is uh, in Hawaii, but uh, Paul, my brother-in-law, has got keys to his uh, to his office, and so there was a game night that went on his office. That uh, I think property damage was under four figures. Is that right? That's what we'll say. <laughs> okay, that's what we'll say. Good, good, good. Um, I was not there because my I picked my son up from the airport uh, from from college, which oh. was uh, which, which was awesome. But tell me about the game night. Um, it was very fun. Uh, I played Brian Baru. Did I say it correctly that time? You did. You Brian did. Brian Baru. Yeah. Well, um, I mean. I, so I played that with Dimitri, Mike, and Mike's son Joe. And then the other table was having a um, a rowdy game of Boone Lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rowdy Boone Lake, huh? Well, I mean, it seemed rowdy. They were they were definitely making noise. Last night we had a rowdy Boone Lake. It yeah. was rowdy. Now rowdy doesn't mean that everyone's having fun. No, um, <laughs> but but um, as but I can't tell. I could not tell how they were having fun at that at that table. But they were definitely playing. Yes, okay. yes, indeed. And then uh, last night we had a. Uh, 13 person game it was big it was, it was yeah. like a party in here yeah so uh, so a big 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 group even though two of my favorite people uh, candace and uh and um who's the other one that canceled on me oh jennifer yes candace and jennifer uh canceled uh, uh late on but for both for exactly the right reason self-care it's like you know what yep i'm uh, tired i need to get some some sleep i got a big day tomorrow all, all, all that sort of stuff Perfect, perfect reason to cancel. But I just want you both to know that you were missed. Always. I, I really missed it. But I did get a game in with Matt last night. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. Um, oh, I played. Well, that's almost we, as good. <laughs> we played Star Wars the card game, which Ooh, is an the new, old, the new... old LCG, which is technically a DCG, I guess, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Lang d- designed the the core game back and came out back in like 2012 yeah i think he only designed the core game and then and other, then people, other people did their, went, all the force yeah, yeah, yeah. packs and expansions it was very popular wasn't it i i don't know in the grand like well, scale of yeah. all, the, all the different lcgs i i feel like it's kind of under the radar like some people didn't quite probably maybe play it enough to like really Wrap their I, heads around it, maybe? I guess I have a few Indianapolis friends that were always raving about it, that were always... They, they would play it all the time. But they were they were Star Wars people, okay? There, there are Star Wars people, and then there are Star, Star Wars, Wars people. <laughs> did, did you get married in a Jedi temple? Right. If the answer is yes, you are a Star Wars person. Not just a Star Wars person, a Star like Wars Like, if you're person. appearing on, well, like, a Netflix documentary, and you've got, like, a wall of... Memorabilia, you're a Star Wars person. I think the big indication that it wasn't as popular as you would think is that if you go on Etsy, and because I was looking for some organizers and inserts, it's like they have things for uh, obviously Arkham Horror and Game of Thrones, the card game, and all all these other LCGs, but there's like nothing out there for this. I mean, you can get like a broken token for it, but not any kind of like custom boxes or anything and we wouldn't do that but but i i forget how it fell into my radar um maybe a month or two ago and i kind of like i was like ah, maybe maybe i'll 
check that out because Matt loves, you know, I always try to do buy games that'll get Matt gaming more. Yeah. And he loves like card games. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he loves Star Wars. So sure. I just have to say it's Star Wars. But I find a game that I'm going to be really interested in too. Like we love Rebellion. Sure. Um, mm. But anyways, so we played it and it's great. It's wow. It's really great. We have definitely more to learn, but it has this whole... Um, this edge battle bluffing system. So the the hand management and resource management is so challenging. Like you want to just like deploy people out there Mm -hmm. and then you want to attack with these people. But once you do, they're exhausted. So when it's your opponent's turn to attack, if you don't have someone to defend with, or if you don't have cards in your hand because you don't draw back your cards till the you know the your turn. turn, yeah. So you have to balance like holding on to cards so you're prepared for when you're getting attacked. Then mm. meanwhile, when there are conflicts, you have this edge battle that you do where you commit cards one at a time, starting with the attacker. Right. And there's a whole like mind twist bluffing element to it. So you're putting cards down and you're like, I don't want to use this card, but (laughs) I don't want to lose this edge battle because whoever wins the edge battle Mm -hmm. is going to have the initiative and attacks first. And that could mean a lot because you can take out somebody that they were going to attack with. Before they can even. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And then you have the... You have very these, interesting. Yeah, and then you have these objectives that you play with. And I think one of the unique things about the Star Wars LCG is that the instead of doing your deck building all kind of from scratch like you do for like Netrunner and Lord of the Rings, sure. which I, I've played both of and I, I don't know how to do the deck building properly yet. But this, you pick, um, you have these, these objective sets. So you'll say, I'm going to play with these 10 objectives. So you pick 10 objectives. Right. Each objective comes with five cards. That makes your deck. So you're not like That's your start picking. Deck. Yeah, you're not picking one Z card, oh, two great. Z card. So you're you're mostly like picking these objectives and then taking the cards that come along with it, and that's your deck. Right. That's interesting. So, that actually sounds re- really fun. I'm I'm not plugged into the LCG world. It's actually had had very little appeal. But the, hearing you talk about it sounds very interesting, and it also sounds like that system could be like an interesting part of like a larger game too like mm. I, I think of actually forbidden stars which has um when you have, whenever you battle you go into this like really fun card play and i hearing that i'm like not only does that sound fun on its own but imagine if you also like put that into a larger sort of like epic game that's fantasy flight too right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting I, it is yeah so for me, uh, I was hardcore in a Netrunner. And by hardcore in a Netrunner, I mean I was mildly into Netrunner in comparison to people that were hardcore into Netrunner. <laughs> uh, but for me, th- who I don't play uh, CCGs or TCGs or any of those things uh, or LCGs too much. Um, but I love Netrunner. Matt and I would play Netrunner all the time. Not your Matt, my Matt. Yeah. Matt, <laughs> Matt number one. I want a mat now. And uh, we played with him last night. Um, the, the, the the difference in that game that one person is the runner and one person is the corp and they play radically different games I love it. against one another is still to to this day for me the the thing that I love about that and the reason that I love that so much. Where when 
Game of Thrones started up their their card game. You know, Matt got into it immediately. Trey got into it immediately. Paul was dragged into it immediately. And <laughs> I kind of, I tried it a couple times and I was like, yeah, I, I want the asymmetry. I want yeah. the asymmetry of that uh, of, of that sort of thing. And it sounds like mission decks are a little bit of that in, in the sense that it, yes. it, it crafts each game in a different way. Yeah, and I, I also, number one, I love Netrunner. I'm currently undefeated. I've only played three games, but Whoa. somehow managed to win each one. And I, I'm a what, big... What donkey are you playing? <laughs> I'm playing pros, too. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but well, one thing I wanted to say about the Star Wars game is that whoever's playing... So one player plays the light side, one player plays the dark side. Sure. The dark side's goal is to get this little Death Star dial to hit 12. Once okay. they get that to 12... That's game over. By Alderaan. Every time they start their turn, it's going to tick up one. So there's like, they're always kind of like scoring. But there's a whole element of committing your units to the force too, which has pros and cons. If you have someone committed to the force and they're ready, meaning they're not exhausted, you're going to be competing to flip this force token to either the light side or the dark side. So if the dark side player starts their turn and the force is on their side, they get to click that dial up too. So you're fighting to like stressful really exactly. But if it's on the light side and the light side player starts their turn, they get to damage one of the dark side's objectives because the light side player's goal is to destroy three objectives. It that is, is net runner, by real, the way. Yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> that is net runner. That uh, like the the runners are trying to steal the corporation right. e- objectives, <laughs> and the corporation is trying to stop you from doing that and 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 destroy you and run yeah. out the clock. Interesting. Well, yeah, I'm excited about it. And I'm I'm happy to play with anybody at some it, point. Are you gonna get me to try another <laughs> card game? Oddly enough, also the way you were describing some of the decisions a little bit earlier. Oddly enough, it made me think of Arboretum. Uh, it made me think <gasps> of because when you talked about yes. like oh I want to use, use those cards yeah right? when you said like oh I want to attack with these cards or I want to hold these back to defend you don't attack an arboretum I'm, I, at least I don't play that oh, way yes you do but you, I mean you do <laughs> but you don't like it's not like you don't actively like attack it's right. not the rules but it's like I need to make my beautiful little tree set here um, and that means that I have to get rid of this card but I, re- I refuse to give this card to the other player right. and it's like it's that so thing of like oh. when do I like I want to hold on to these cards so badly I cannot let them go yeah yeah it's it's totally you get some of those feelings oh I love Arboretum it's like such a simple but like hard game because you never want uh, to my, like you never want to give stuff up my friend calls it stress trees that's what he calls stress the game. trees is accurate I think the answer is you don't give them up you you sabotage your own scoring to make sure that no one else scores i think a perfect game of arboretum the final score is like six to four to two (laughs) that's that's a good arboretum score when people are getting like 10 12 points i was like you didn't play arboretum you just you just (laughs) you just built pretty trees that's that's not arboretum the the last thing i'll note about the star wars the card game which i've noticed because again you know i'm slightly newer to the hobby mm-hmm. I'm three and a half almost four years at this point but oh. um yeah i'm, I'm, elder, I'm a vet at this elder point, huh? statesman now <laughs> love it uh but i i tend to find these games that you know came out a while ago uh-huh. so it's almost a game to me to figure out how to get all the force packs and expansions even though they're all out of print mm-hmm. and i want to find deals on them so i'm like yes. gaming the process of getting all the content 
you are now playing the world's worst game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And most expensive. And well, <laughs> no, that's why it's so bad. It's- but you have a platform, so everyone who's listening, if you got something, you can send to Candace. Sweet Candace. That's, that's right. That's right. Let me know if you're get- giving up those Star Wars cards. At our at our mega game night on Friday, we played, uh, we split up. We had too many people for Avalon, which is always a problem. It's I was a- looking forward to Avalon. Right? Right? I was. Avalon with our group is... An experience. Yes. I, I, I want to say uh, an unalloyed joy, but I will. I will simply say it is an experience. It is quite something. It is a full body experience for everybody at the table. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You are all in. It's truly ridiculous, and I still contend that Secret Hitler is the better social deduction game. However, um, I I've, I've grown to even though you guys have a meta that like far like you know it's it's years in the making, and I'm only just like infinitesimally better at it now than I was before. And um, I'm even further behind you there. <laughs> yeah, I, I have grown to really enjoy just the, the craziness of these Avalon sessions. We, I, we won our last game, so, Candace, in I know, fashion. so that last game, I was just dying inside, like, in a funny way, watching Trey accuse Matt, and then Matt, not my Matt, yeah. not having played nearly as much Avalon as anybody else, was just like... He was a good guy, and he's like, why is Trey accusing me? Trey's got to be bad. So they're, like, pitting each other <laughs> against each other. And then Trey used Lady of the Lake on me, which I begged him to do. And I'm a bad guy. Matter of fact, I'm the bad guy that nobody knows is, is a bad guy. And he looks at my card, and he says, Tom's bad. And I go, oh, guys, I, I was, I've been thinking of this for a long time. <laughs> Trey is bad, which means for sure that this also is bad. Right. And immediately Matt jumps on my bandwagon. And he's oh, like, yes, that's what in. I've been saying. <laughs> and Trey could not, oh, there's nothing, there nothing better than telling the truth about something you know to help your team win. Yeah. And, and, the team and the team turns on you and they don't believe you. They yeah. think you're the bad guy. That's my entire experience playing that game, usually. Oh. And it's hilarious. It, it's definitely my experience the whole time. I, oh, for no, sure, you. Nobody yeah, is no thought to be you, the bad right? guy. Every, nobody trusts <laughs> me. My, every game of mine is slowly climbing up a wall of broken promises. Yeah. Trying to, trying to get people to once again invest their trust in me. And sometimes I'm doing that as a good guy. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not, but but, you, but people always think you're the bad guy, and and I, I'm in that same that same camp. I just get labeled as the bad guy, and you just have to, you know, it's something really fun to just sort of try to claw your way out of that you, reputation. You, you've got an air of sneakiness about you. I do have an air of sneakiness. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. We talked about this last week on the podcast. I have an air of sneakiness, and um, you know, part of me is like, should I just lean into it, or I don't know. I don't know what to do with it, but I have it. Hey, listen. It, as you play more games with us, you develop a table presence. And yeah. as you develop a table presence, that'll go away. It, it'll ebb and flow, but it, it'll, you, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. The, the games we did play, though, were Boon Lake, which we, which we discussed. Um, Elder taught um, three people Boon Lake. And uh, Dimitri <laughs> became a very vociferous in his dislike of the game. At a um, at an uncommonly early hour, I would say it was. It was uh, I what thought happened? they were wrapping up. I don't know what he, happened, he just, but he, he just hated the game from an early point and realized how much more of the game there was. Oh. And he had like a moment where it just was like it was like I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. Like it was just he the, was he the word the word hell Maybe. was used. The word Maybe. hell, like personal hell. 
yeah, he was not happy. He was what? not. He was not. He, <laughs> he was not happy. But Claude and Jake seem to seem to like it enough. So it is a game that is is getting uh, disparate views. I can't in wait our, to play in it. our group. I want to play it so. You badly. should. I. Uh, you know, I, I I gave my first impression at at uh, BGG Con. It has not changed yet. So, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. It's, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I, and it, it's 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 certainly interesting. Yeah, it's always every design of his is interesting. He does things. He does things with interlocking mechanisms that are always kind of captivating. And at the end of the day, I may not end up liking them. Yeah, but. The first play, the first, second, third playthrough is always a real adventure because you're trying to figure out, oh, how does this clockwork mm-hmm. work, actually? Yeah, It just makes me feel happy. Like, uh, you know, oh. I'm an Alexander Pfister fan, but it has that iconography and you're just, <laughs> you're, you're doing things. Yeah, it, yeah. Re- it really does. So it just makes me, I can't wait to play it again and, you know, kind of develop a deeper opinion for it. But I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a second table played. Uh, they brought out barrage. They played a uh, so Michael Nikoloff and Trey and uh, Mike Kananak and uh, Mike Kananak's son played a barrage, and they were they, you know you know it's a good barrage game when you don't hear anything over there. You just they you were just so quiet. Staring, staring. Every once in a while, said, "Is he going to take my? He's going to take my water, isn't he? He's going to take my water. He's going to take my water." <laughs> Did they finish? Yes, Do we know if they finished? Yes, I'm pretty. sure. I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I can't. I can't speak. To that, you left. You left before. I they, did. Okay. Yeah. Did. They, they still had a ways to go when when we left at like one. It's an intense game. <laughs> it's an intense game. There's no getting around it. And then uh, Ben and I were getting ready to set up Brian Baru, and uh, I sat down to the table, and uh, Ben came and sat down next to me, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Get, <laughs> get out, Brian Baru." And goes, I said, "I don't have it. I thought you have it." I said, oh, no. I don't have it. <laughs> I'm five minutes away. Come pick up my so, copy. <laughs> no, we made we made lemonada uh-huh. out, of, yeah. uh, out of the lemons that we were dealt. We went into the back room, and Ben and I stood shoulder to shoulder and stared at the four- and five-player <laughs> wall and came up with – it was just great. It was like he said – you know what? I haven't played that in a while. I could play that, and it was uh, Clinic, right? Uh, no, I've never played Clinic. Oh, that's and right. I, that's and right, that's, yes. it, that's uh, since uh, Capstone Ooh, just announced that yeah. they're going to be releasing it. I it's it's sort of a game I've been interested in. All all of that designers' games I've been sort of interested in. And never played it, and I uh, Tramways is great. Yeah, and so I had just been watching some playthroughs like yesterday, and so when I saw it there, I was like, oh, that's definitely something that I would like to play. Alden's a very interesting designer, so I would love to get that to the table. Anyway, and small city also. I yeah, looked at city. yes. I looked at antiquity. I said, you know what? I don't think you've ever played antiquity. We could mm-hmm. do that. And then Ben looked at something. Well, I don't can't remember what yours was. But then the fourth one we looked at. I said, you know, it's been a long time since I played shipyard. <gasps> ben, have you ever played shipyard? He goes, I own shipyard. I love shipyard. Yep. True and story. We like boom, we brought out shipyard. Oh, cool. Uh, we we played it with. Uh, uh, Matt number two and Bond, who had uh, never played it before, and we were talking about this. First of all, we had a, a blast. Re- it was a great time. Re-upped my love of that game tenfold. It's one of it's. It may be my favorite of his designs, and it's wow. the, one of the. I need to play it designs. again. I need, I've only played it once. It's crazy Jennifer taught good. me actually. And something you said, Ben. Say what say what you said about the complexity level in comparison to new gamers to it. Uh what I was very impressed with last night was realizing how sticky the rules are. 
um, in that sort of you kind of get the rules. There are not a lot of rules questions. We did not have a situation where where people were asking, wait, what does that do again? What does that do again? A few here and there, sort of like a normal amount for any game with new players. But it's it's no pun intended, although maybe I'll intend it. It was smooth sailing. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but it but for real, it was smooth sailing. And and I think part of that is because the game the game is all about like it's like rondel on rondel on rondel and there and one of the things with rondels is that they are kind of repetitive in a good way and and so you sort of are just like you just sort of get layered into this thing no one's doing anything that like only they can do everyone's you, everyone gets to do the same thing so you sort of see what it is it's like I go here, I rotate this, I pick up a, a, a captain. I go here, I pick up a, a sail. You know, you put the pieces of your boat together. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Tom, it's also a very tactile game. Yeah, tang- I think tangibility is, is something that I, I talk about that a lot. Um, that in a game of Agricola, I can come in last place, but I can look at my little farm and I can see where the fences are and I can see, oh, there, there, there are my, there are my pigs because my great grandfather was a pig buyer (laughs) and I can look and see my stone house and, and, and I can imagine this thing that I built. And even though I came in last, I still love it because I, because I made this thing and it looks beautiful. There is something to tangibility in a game. And everybody who played that game, uh, from the person who came in first, me, uh, to the person who came in third, Ben, uh, <laughs> <laughs> could look and they could see their beautiful ships that they built and how they're different than everybody else's ships. Like, oh, he's got the military ships and he's got a <laughs> commerce. And Tom had a soul, like a giant soulless <laughs> ship full of like crew members. It was just like full and full and full of just crew members because you can have like military people on there you could have business people but his was just nothing but crew and it just was the whole were in like a, in little suits and uh it just it just it purely existed to relocate crew members across the sea we called it the sea org it was yeah. <laughs> it felt it felt very culty yeah uh, because there was almost nothing else on the ships <laughs> except just just crew. Was, I, like literally nothing it was like a, a, a determined it was Intense determination to have nothing but men in suits on that. that (laughs) And very early in the game, somebody looked at all the ship pieces that you could get and said, wait, there are no staterooms. There's like zero staterooms. And then they look over at my board and I've got like a ship that's like seven long and it's all staterooms. And it had this crazy domino effect because so just like a brief thing in this game, when you build your your ships, you have to just build, you have to add all these features onto them. And so if you want to put people on your boat, you need to have rooms for them. And so as you build your boat, you're taking tiles. And some tiles have rooms that are on them. It's just like literally drawn on rooms and some don't. And so Tom was hoarding all the tiles that had the rooms. And so then for the rest of us, we're like, wait a second, there are no rooms. So then the rest of us had these like <laughs> ghost ships that was like, I, I sent off two separate ships that was like a captain and like 10 sails, like this big empty vessel that was going nowhere. <laughs> But it, it, yeah, he wanted uh, his crewmen to be comfortable. Yeah. But what ben, what ben is saying is, is something that I, I found with this game, which is that it is a pretty meaty game. It is not a light game. There's a lot going on. There's all these different Ronalds, and, all, and each action you take, it's a real decision. There's like there, I, I there, it is rare the turn where I I have a clear cut. I must do this. Half the time you are debating which of these several options to take. Um, 
And for a game like that, for two new gamers um, to just get into it so seamlessly and play it and enjoy it, uh, Bond came in very close to winning. He, he, did, he did a great job. He had a very, very good first uh, first play of that game and loved it. It, it. it really is a testament to the design. It's a it's a beautiful game. I love it. It is really good. And that, that I design, have to revisit it. Yeah, you should, yeah, because yeah, that design of Suhi, Vladimir Suhi, I feel like all his games have just such rich, wonderful decisions. And I think he may be becoming, if not, he might be my favorite designer at the moment. I don't know. I mean, like, you haven't even played Messina yet. I, mean, I want to play Messina and Hegemony. Hegemony are like the ones that I, I just want. I just want to wake up one day and they're at my doorstep, and and that's not <laughs> happening anytime soon. But um, I did. By the way, I did get. Uh, I did get some games in myself this week. What'd you get? Um, I'll just go over them quickly. Um, uh, after we recorded our podcast last weekend, uh, Dimitri, Paul, and then my boyfriend Dominique, we got Dominique to the table. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. uh, we played Belarati, which I think I mentioned last week, yeah. um, which was so fun. And it was really cool to see Dimitri's brain work and Dom's brain work because they are totally different in that way and seeing them come together in this game. And again, it's one of those games where you have to get into the other person's brain or they have to get into yours like wavelength. So that was very fun. And then on uh, Thursday, Paul came over and my friends Larry and Chris, and we actually played for the first time ever in person um, Brick and Mortar, which we actually reviewed last year, I believe. Yes, we did. Yep. Um, Paul and I really enjoyed that. I know you you and Trey were less enthusiastic about it. Yes, um, that is a fact. But uh, I was really excited. <laughs> are, are you expecting a retraction? You will get none. No, I'm not. Look, I'm not fishing for a retraction. But I was really excited to see what the in-person experience would be like. Yeah, and it was very fun. I mean, the game really does engender a lot of fun table talk. If you go back to the review, I don't slam you it. You, you don't slam it. You just felt like there were flaws. Yeah, I, I just felt like the the game it, it didn't sing. It's no tank duel. It's no. <laughs> Tank Trey, Trey, I think <laughs> Trey, I think uh, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Trey. I, I don't, but he he did not seem to enjoy it as much. But uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to speak for him. But that being said, what I what really struck me was in person. There's a lot of stuff to talk about when you play. Like you look at the art and mm-hmm. you joke about like, oh, I have a I have a hot, I have a designer boutique and now I have a a, a fashion distributor. Now I'm going to go into jewelry. Yeah. And you start creating these narratives yeah. and um it was it was actually very 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 fun. I love the theme. I will say this. I absolutely love the theme of the game. I think at the end of the day it is a microeconomic engine game. Mm-hmm. And microeconomic engines are really hard to design because mm-hmm. you are stripping out so many things and trying to make a game work with so little that it's really easy for imbalances to happen, and I felt like, yeah, the game the the game failed in that one. Aspect. Absolutely, but as an, as a game experience, it was very fun. Yeah, and and I'm I'm happy that I have it. I was a little worried after a review. I was like, did I did I get no. too excited about this game too quickly? But I, I'm I'm very happy. You're fine. And then the last thing was, I know Candace will like this. After that game, we played a rousing, very 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 rousing game of Stick'em. Oh no. <laughs> which Classic. is like a vicious mm-hmm. great trick-taking game have you played that tom uh and i'm, I'm a teacher player oh okay i'm a, te- I'm a teacher player i will play stick them though you will play i've oh. never played it never played stick them it feels but so good to stick people yeah we were trying so hard so larry he was like unstickable and we were doing paul and i came together we were like we don't care about our games anymore because we were at like negative 32 points and larry was at like 15 points. Like, we Ooh. don't care about our game anymore. We're creating the Dirtbag Alliance and we're going to do whatever we can to stick Larry. <laughs> and yep. 
goodness, we could not stick him for the life of us. But we, st- <laughs> we stuck him just enough that he lost by a point. Oh, oh. there you go. <laughs> well, as is usual with the three of us, we have been talking about game night for 30 minutes now. Can I squeeze one in? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just, I'll, I'll be so this quick about happens. it. <laughs> I, need to, I need to make episodes with the three of us. Like, I need to have two Just things we're going to talk about, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right, real quick, real quick. What? Uh, because it's significant. Um, say it. I So I have two lady gamer friends um, that <laughs> I've met through, like, online streams last year, and we... Started, you know, we've gotten together twice in like the past eight months and uh, we got together. We played Brian Brew, but uh, we also we were going to play Black Orchestra. But one of the ladies, her eyes were having issues because of some procedure she just had. So she couldn't see the text on it. Got it. So I also brought Spirit Island and we played Spirit Island, the three of us. And. You know, I have played Spirit Island probably four times. Mm-hmm. Um, they had all probably one or two. You know, everybody had played, but something was really magical about that game because the first time I played Spirit Island, it was with a friend who's a heavy gamer, and he want, he just threw all the, the hardest stuff in, and, you know, he's teaches stuff fast, and we weren't following what was going on. Right. So it was like, it's a bad oh, experience. I, I think like that. that was okay. But like, I didn't come out like loving the game. I was like, this is interesting. Then I played again at some point with a friend who um, kind of refreshed us much better, had a better experience. But Thank this you. one... I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it, was but, not, it was not me. But yeah. <laughs> but this, but this three-player game we played, I don't know if it was that we were three women and we just kind of all are coming from a similar level of experience with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but we just had like this really cool game where it was like very challenging, like Spirit Island is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me like really appreciate that game, and now I think I'm gonna quickly become obsessed with it. It's it is. It's, I mean, as co-ops go, it's one of the best co-ops. I mean, never that for me, that and Pandemic Legacy are my two favorite co-ops, and, wow. and they're it's it's a very good, well-designed game. Yeah, and I think I'm going to be teaching Jennifer soon because she was asking about it because she wanted to revisit it too, which is kind of like why it popped back on my radar to even like pack it as an option. But anyway, I just and, wanted to throw that in. And speak about loving theme. I mean, uh, the, the theme of that is oh, absolutely great, fantastic. So I've never played it, but um, <gasps> I've never been that interested in it. But, you know, like Candace, you're really good at like um, – you're really good at making me excited about games. Okay, it's on our Carnival of Games now car- we'll list. We'll put on the Carnival of Games list. You know what? And I'll put another co-op on our Carnival of Games okay. list. Because we have a list called Carnival of Games. Where every time Ben and I are like, oh, we have to play this together. Oh. And we play one game per year off that list. <laughs> I, I, but, um, I think Candace and I have the same thing. We just haven't formalized it into an actual list yet. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, <laughs> Pandemic Rising Tide, I actually think, is a very <laughs> underrated co-op. Uh, so, okay. So that's another so one. Yeah. I'll talk about that in another episode. All right. Okay. Can we get to the game news? Do you think that, or is there other games we're we ready. need to talk about from game No, night? no, we're I'm ready. ready. We're My ready. body right. is ready. Here we go. Good evening, Mr. 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 Office, South America, and all the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to rush through these because we're running low on time and we haven't even got to the game we're talking about today. Uh, Kickstarter, when you hear this, there will be about five or four days left on Weather Machine, Vital Lacerda, and Ian O'Toole. Uh, it has pledged almost a million dollars, so wow. it is doing gangbusters for a super heavy game like this. That is crazy good. 
what do I need to say? It's 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 the new Vittle Lacerda game. What, what do you, are you really going to sit on the sidelines? Are you? Are you? <laughs> guys, what what do you what do you think? Looking at the Kickstarter, what what do, what do you guys think uh, about it? I mean, I think it looks beautiful, and I I like the theme. I like the theme. It sounds different. I almost I was supposed to play this on um, Tabletopia at some point months ago, mm-hmm. but just never got around to it. Um, the challenge with me with uh, backing Lacerda games is that I have a couple that rarely hit the table. That's yeah. my uh, concern. But I'm sure you know. I think Lacerda and Ian O'Toole makes such a crazy awesome combination <laughs> yeah I, I i get that i i'll put it in a slightly different way it's that uh, over the years Vittle has gotten more and more baroque mm-hmm. that his designs have been more and more challenging and um i think trey and i t- trey talked about that a, a little bit about um, loving the simplistic, uh, the simple and elegant designs, and maybe we're going as a hobby a little too far away from that. And and that is, listen, mm. th- there's brilliance in that too. There, the hobby is richer for having both polarities, right? Um, but yeah, there there is that there is that question. That said, I love the theme. I love the, the it, yeah. it. It looks the pretty very cool. Great. I, it feels like a backdoor CO2, though, a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Back- <laughs> like, like a backdoor CO2. Well, just in this, it's like a backdoor pilot. Well, like, well, here's the thing. You're creating a weather machine and you're changing the weather, right? But there's a butterfly effect where the thing that you do changes other things. Doesn't it seem like he's talking about geoengineering and 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 solving the climate crisis and the, might the, the hazards of doing that a little bit? It, sure. it might be. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with Candace. I've actually never backed a uh, Vital Serta game, uh, even though I have Kanban and I have CO2. I actually really like CO2 quite a bit. Um, uh, and I have On Mars on the way because I sort of had a nice. spontaneous add-on with my like Railways of Sweden thing. I was like, well, I'll get I'll get On Mars too. <laughs> but then um, I, uh, I the, the only one, the only one of his that I've backed, oddly enough, is Railways of Portugal, which he designed. Right. But um, uh, but I'm always it's like they're so the games are so cool. But outside of this group, it's it's really hard for me to get them to the table, and they're big teaches, and I I have to I'm in a sort of. With him, I'm a little bit of a let me like wait and see because I also did not like the gallerists. What? <gasps> I may have had a bad Whoa. playthrough. What? I may have had a bad playthrough. I might need to refresh on it. I had a situation where I played with two very AP people, and I found took your the experience away, Tom. extremely annoying as a result. <laughs> I, I did clutch my pearls. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I, 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 that was I, like a, sorry, a record. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like Lisboa. Weird. But you didn't like Lisboa. I, I like Lisboa, oh, but, but that, Lisboa is is far more or arcane and impenetrable than than I, Galarist, I, I'm, which is it may have been I'm weird. actually supposed to be playing Lisboa this afternoon for the oh, first time. Lucky. Well, listen, uh, there is no way in in on God's green that Matt did not back uh, weather weather machine. So and it's in the family. I will back weather machine. So you guys don't have to back it. You will be able to play it multiple, multiple times and then decide whether or not you want to get it. And I do want to say that when I played the gallerist, I played it with two mats. And I just want to say that because we're talking about mats <laughs> that we mats. know in our lives. One should never, I make it a rule 
that mats are separated at game night. <laughs> That's the thing. I crossed my lines it's there. Okay. I had too many I, mats, and they were the thing is they had actually played it before, and so they knew what they were doing, and so they were trying to outfox each other, and mm. so I was sitting there on the sidelines. That's, that's not what two knowing. mats do. That's that's why you can never have double mat. Elder okay. actually taught me the gallers. I've only played the gallers once. Now I've played Kanban multiple times. Yes. I, I love Kanban's it. Every time great. every time I play it, I'm like I want to play it again immediately yeah. because the things start clicking. <laughs> it's and my it, favorite. You never it's really my know of his games. It, yeah, I feel it like might the, be for me too. Uh, yeah. With Kanban, you, you sort of just don't know what's gonna happen. I just start doing things. You start doing things until I'm like, oh, I guess this is where I'm headed. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna be doing, and this is where it's going. So the uh, the the pledge for for the game is um, you know 130 bucks. That's that's, that's what these games that's what these games cost. Um, but well, I mean, the, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm getting it. So yeah, a lot of money but to I not mean, know if it's, it's gonna get to the table. So the other thing is like you know I don't want to turn people off from doing the Kickstarter, but like, usually Eagle Griffin will still have all of the Kickstarter upgrades available yeah. on their website. So. Sure, sure. Uh, MSRP is going to be 165 so it's uh, 30, wow. 35 bucks cheaper for sale. doing this way. Oh. Um, and next up, Undaunted Reinforcements. So the Undaunted Normandy, Undaunted North Africa, uh, kind of big, uh, big under-the-radar hit, right? A, a so good. super small skirmish a, a war game that's a, the, a small box, easy to understand, easy to get into, and fun as heck, right? Deck building, yeah. Right? Deck building with a modular map set up, and you're using the cards in your hand to control things on the modular board set up. Oh, it's, it's really cool. So guess what? Undaunted Reinforcements is a modular expansion that introduces new rules, new scenarios, and new units uh, that you can play in both Normandy and Africa. You can use mines. You can use assault aircraft. Um, it sounds to me like this is, to, to me, an exciting up, an exciting update and an exciting expansion. This is like adding more depth and complexity to a game that is lean and mean. And that's a great thing. It's yep. a great thing. War games get bloat quickly. And and learning a game with bloat is a tough, tough slog, right? Mm -hmm. So to give you the stripped down lean version of the game and then give expansions that that broaden it if you, you're already into it and you want more, I think that's a really good way to go. Totally. And it also adds a solo mode um, designed by David Turtsy. Who, who designed that? Uh, <laughs> you might know this guy, uh, David Turtsy. Um, but also, uh, it has uh, it has a way where you can play two v two. So usually it's just a two player wow. game. So now you can play solo or two v two. I didn't know that. Which, yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. Holy cow! We'll do it. We'll might do have to it. Do, gonna have to. Gonna have to do. Listen, uh, we should say that it is a World War Two war game. Uh, but it is no tank duel. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is no okay. tank duel. So, it, so if you were expecting tank duel, it is not that. By the way, you guys made tank duel sound like it was combat on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. <laughs> it basically <laughs> is. Candace swore it was not. <laughs> I don't even know what she that would, is, but I know I remember it. In the in the forty five minute rules explanation for tank duel, every five minutes she would see a look pass between Trey and me, like what it was, what was that? And she would say, "No, no, no, it's good, it's good." And then she would keep teaching. Five minutes later, no, 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 it's it's not it's not combat on Atari. No, it's not. No, come tank on. Duel is awesome. And I have sure faith enough, in Tank Duel. I have faith in Tank Duel. And I am, it's a beer I'm happy and pretzels to, game. I'm happy to play it. Not. There should be like a Tank Duel and Hunter doubleheader. We could just like... Yeah. 
you know? <laughs> yep. Uh, next up, Palaces at Carrara. Uh, this is a second edition game. This is Kramer and Kiesling. These are the people that did Paris, but these are the people that did To Call uh, and individually went on to do amazing things. I mean, Kramer is El Grande. Kiesling is games like Azul. I mean, just, just amazing, amazing designers. And uh, Palaces at Carrara came out in... I want to say 2012, 2011, somewhere around there was the was the first edition of that, and it was it was a great game that fell a little bit under the radar, uh, and now has a new copy coming out that has streamlined the rules a little bit, changed mm. the rules a little bit, um, and from what I've been seeing, because I don't own the game, but I played it a lot back in you know back ten years ago, and really really liked it, but uh, it was one of those. Times where uh, I needed to shell out money for the German copy and I didn't do it, and, mm-hmm. and, and that was the that was the end of that. But I always remember really liking it. Um, looking at the rules changes, I think it I think it could be a hit. So keep your eyes peeled. I'm not saying jump on a Kickstarter immediately, but I am saying that that this was a very good design. And it's ago. game yeah. found, I think. Yes, it's, it's not Kickstarter. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely one that Game I'm, I'm right. interested in. And I right. uh, just want to correct you real. It was the palaces of Carrara. Because I just know there'll be people out there be like, of, of, of. But um, what did I say? You said at Carrara. I mean, there might oh, be okay. a palace there. There might be a there palace be. there. There might be. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I do want to say also um, that you can play it online at Yukata. Yukata.de. Oh, cool. There is a online implement- implementation that I have not personally played. But right. now I might want to. If if you can if you can play on a German site if you if you've forgiven them, <laughs> it's up to you. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, it is that time of year. Uh, Candace has a gun to my head, and I must. <laughs> she says I have to read this verbatim or play tank duel. Uh, so I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this verbatim, verbatim or she's going to shoot me. Um, Board Game Geek is a very important With more site enthusiasm, for the, uh, Tom. Board Game Geek is it a very important site? For, <laughs> please, please. Irish accent. She's showing you pictures of my children in in their beds. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> Board Game Geek is a super important site. Please, please support Board Game Geek. This is the end of the year pledge drive. Um, they need your money to keep doing what they do. There are two. Two places that I try to give to every single year. One is uh, Board Game Geek. The other one is Wikipedia. Um, it, it's kind of amazing that in, in a culture of toxicity that all these people get together and chip in to make something truly, truly great and true and right. And both of these sites, Wikipedia and especially for our hobby, Board Game Geek does exactly that. Uh, you can get a micro badge at the uh, for $15. You can get a copper badge, $25 for a silver and $40 for a gold. You can also get crazy ones for higher. But listen, if you love the hobby, if you, you should support Board Game Geek because it is the conduit through which all good things happen. And, uh, and uh, okay, Candace is putting the gun down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She seems happy. I'm, I'm, I think, she said, oh, good, yeah. Good. Okay. She said, good I'm job. Good now. Good, 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 good. good, good. Nice uh, job, so Tom. please be a 2021 20, supporter right now. She's putting her finger across her throat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that right after this podcast. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Seriously, board give me cake. It, it's it's it. fan. Fantastic, uh, you know, sites like this they they need uh, they need your support. They need a little bit of a, a few few ducats at the end of the year if you can if you can swing it. Listen, hard days, hard years, lots of disruption. If you cannot uh, afford to, do not do this. But if you can, please do. 
it's 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 one of the few bright spots on the internet. It really is a, a great great site, despite some of their recent choices in in terms of uh, journalists, uh, yeah, hi- <laughs> recent hires that they've made. <laughs> you know, listen, you, 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 it, 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 it's it's. You know, jokes aside, it is like the only website that I visit every day. Yeah, yeah. multiple <laughs> times a day. Same. Yeah, Same. yeah. Same, and, and it's like and not for, toxic. Yeah, <laughs> it's nope. like not a toxic environment. Well, mostly well, sometimes, but uh, yeah. but I mean, it's the internet. I would say less toxic than most. Uh, uh, well, yes. I think we can say that, and I think it would be safe. But that, that is not to say that we are we are we are somehow magically free from the toxicity uh, that plagues mankind. Um, but yeah. Listen, if you go there every day and you don't have to get through a paywall, then guess what? Once once a year, you're going to get a little pledge drive. And uh, this is not NPR. It's not going to be in every segment. We're saying it once, and we're asking you to pitch in. And that is it for game news. We're moving right on to the game review. The 2021 release of Brian Boru. High King of Ireland. The High King of Ireland. One of, one of the few High Kings of Ireland. We'll talk about what that means in a moment, but right now we're going to say that the designer is Pierre Sylvester. Pierre Sylvester of The King is Dead. Pierre Sylvester of uh, my favorite, Virsin Das Volk, which he also did with. Polynesia. Uh, indeed, Polynesia. Exactly. The Lost Expedition. Yes, indeed. Uh, the artist is Deidre Debara, and the publisher is Osprey. Um, Candace, why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you take us through... through the, the basics of Brian Baru. All right. So so in Brian Baru, we are basically trying to fight for control of Ireland, doing things you, you, of in course, the of spirit. Course, of course, you mean, I don't you mean, have an you Irish mean, accent. You, sorry. you mean, you mean, you mean the, the freedom of Ireland, right? Not, not the control of Ireland. Oh, yeah, yes. The freedom the of freedom. Ireland is what you're talking Just about. Just so yeah. we have the most influence. Just to be our, control our, the most right, freedom. Right. Yes, control. <laughs> exactly. We're trying to and, control and freedom. Candace, tell me a little bit about Brian Baru, because you played the game several times, so clearly you've got a firm I'm going to let of, you talk about the historical uh, aspect, you, you know, because... Because, you know, no, 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 I think you have the accent, and <laughs> I'm just going to talk about how the game plays. Should we play some Enya, by the way, at this moment? <laughs> we did play Enya when we played we our first play, game actually, together. We did, yeah. Ben was in my first game. We played Enya. So, uh, yes, and we did play some Enya. We just needed to be relaxed. I played, when when, when, when we did it, I played a, a, a mix of, I have uh, a, a soundtrack, a, a playlist called uh, Irish Jukebox. And we played that for ours. So and that's what I'm going to come back to that after you tell. We about had the some game. folk music kind of going initially before Enya. Well, actually, I'll wait till you finish saying what the game is, and I'm going to circle back to the Irish jukebox. Okay. Okay. So, so Brian Brew is basically an area majority game where you are doing some card drafting and trick taking. So it's for three to five players. And uh, each round, you'll play a certain amount of rounds depending on the player count. A four or five player game, you play four rounds. And a three player game, you play three rounds. But each round, you are going to be dealt a certain amount of cards depending on the player count. And then you are going to draft the cards. Um, These are action cards that you're going to use to then play tricks and take actions. Uh, The the game board for Brian Baru is uh, really good looking. I think uh, it has this like vintage wash, but it's Ireland split into eight different regions. And each region has a bunch of little colored circles, red, blue, and yellow, um, representing different types of cards you're going to play. 
um, and you're going to have wooden discs that you'll be placing out on the map to take control of freedom in different <laughs> towns throughout Ireland. Uh, each, each region has a threshold value and also an amount of victory points you can score should you have the most control of the most freedom <laughs> in that area at, well the, navigated, my dear. at the end of the game. Um, then around the board, you also have these different uh, areas. You have a marriage track that you can work up to and, and you know get some political influence by winning this marriage card that gets uh, put out at the beginning of every round. Mm -hmm. Then you have a battle area where there are going to be a certain amount of uh, Viking raider tokens put out that you can... He heathens. We call take. them heathens. <laughs> that you can take and, you know... Um, do your part in fighting the the Vikings. Indeed, indeed. And then there's a church area where you can uh, put your discs out there and get some influence and do churchy things. Um, the one, true, the one true church. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, the one true Holy Roman Church. <laughs> and then there's an area of the board that has the you'll where you'll place these tiles for each region. Um, that, you know, when you get control over the freedom of a region, you'll be <laughs> <Yes>. able to <laughs> claim claim these tiles. So each turn, you're, you know, getting dealt a hand of cards. Uh, you're picking two, you're drafting. So you're picking two, passing, until you have your set hand of cards. And then one player is going to be leading the trick, and you have this little pink donut that you're going to pick a town on the board. Right? It's a pink Very donut. Very Irish. It's a... It's a it's a Celtic braid, but yeah. you know, do donuts, Celtic braid, who cares, right? It's, it's, like, it's a Celtic bagel. That, that sounds about the level of appreciation of Irish culture that you get from playing Brian Baru. Who's got the donut? So Who's gonna, got the bleeding donut? You're going to put this pink donut braid <laughs> around donut. one empty town on the map. And depending on the color that you put it on, that is the color card that you're going to need to lead with. Right. Um, I should note that there are three different main suits. There's red, which is like military. Yellow is courtship, and blue is church. But then you also have a wild suit, which is called royal cards, which is just white, Good. pretty much. Gray, gray, gray. stone. Gray. I think like, we were we'll calling it. We don't, we don't have we don't have white in Ireland. The sky's gray. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so then, you know, one person will lead whoever's leading, they're going to pick a town, they're going to put a card down, then everybody in clockwise order is going to play a card. And in this trick-taking game, you do not have to follow the lead suit. You can play any card you want, but of course there are implications to, to, to the cards that you end up playing. And the way it resolves is whoever plays the highest card of the lead suit including if you play a high wild because it takes on the suit of the lead suit, um, is going to be the winner of the trick. Um, and that means something because uh, basically these cards that you have in this game, are they have one area that has a, pri a primary action and then you have a couple secondary actions at the bottom of the card. And it, these are like represented by icons. Um, and whoever, whoever wins... The trick is going to end up being playing the primary action of the card they played, whereas the other players who lost the trick are going to pick one of the secondary actions on 
their card. And almost entirely, the primary action is to claim the city whose freedom you are yes. capturing. <laughs> yes. The, if you if you win the trick, you are definitely <laughs> capturing some freedom of the active town that the pink donut was around. I'm, I'm not sure what the what the sniggering and giggling <laughs> is for. I'm, because because you're, you're saying it properly, but then it seems as though you're, 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 you're taking the piss. I don't understand why. I mean, I think what it boils down to essentially, right, is that um, if you win the trick, you get the city. If you lose the trick, you're going to get some other benefits. But those other benefits may wind up being actually more useful than winning the city. Yes. So when you're when you're trying to determine which decide which card you want to play, first of all, it really sucks being the second player because yes. uh, you have a lot less control over the outcome of the scenario. Because um, one important thing to note is that. After everybody plays their cards, regardless of who won, the actions are resolved in ascending order based on the value of the card. So meaning the player with the lowest card is going to take an action first, and then the player with the next lowest, so on and so forth. And whenever the winner comes out, you know, there, there might be a higher card of a different suit that um, is not the winner, but they'll play last. And the secondary actions. So uh, we talked about Furnace quite a bit where you are bidding on these furnace items, these yeah. cards that you will take into your hand if you win it. But a lot of the game is choosing what you're not going to win because you get these uh, resources from not winning that card. Yep. Um, this game is very is very similar to that in that there's going to be, in a four-player game, there is going to be four or five different... Um, bidding sessions where you're trying where one person is going to win that uh, that spot that has been that has been chosen on the board but four people are not and for the four people that are not they're getting rewards on the bottom of those cards and the lower the card is the generally the Juicier. higher the reward mm -hmm. the the, uh, you, mm -hmm. the difference between getting to place three tokens in the church area versus two the difference between being able to place a, a tile along a, 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 a sorry place one of your discs to take over another town along the road that you're already on for a cost of three versus two Right, and the cost is always five, but it's just that the lower cards you you get more money before yeah. you do that. Correct, and and interestingly, so here we are talking about how like a lot of times the benefits to not winning the trick may sometimes outweigh winning the trick itself. But on the lower cards, if uh, if you win a trick with a lower card, you usually get actually a bunch of bonuses too. Like you not only mm -hmm. get the city, you might get some money, you might get to go attack a yep. Viking or whatever. So now that basically tells people like, oh, you're going to let that person win that city with that low card. So now, even though you may want those wonderful benefits, you are also kind of nudged to kind of make sure someone does not win a city and then get all sorts of wonderful perks too. And, then, and we should say it's, it's a little bit of a boomerang actually because the highest cards in oh, the yeah. game also have a huge secondary bonus. If you don't win and you play a super high card, it gives you a great sec it goes back to being a great secondary benefit because you're essentially turning down a sure winner. Yeah. If if a city of that color is is what's up for auction. And then also if you win with a high card, which is very likely, then you sometimes have to pay money to place your your disc in the active town. And right. uh, money in this game is as tight as a Scotsman's purse. <laughs> it is tough. 
It is. It is very it is, tough. It, historically accurate. It is very very tough. And on top of that, another interesting crinkle is that. Let's say you say, you know what, I am going to forego this in, this like guaranteed win of a city with my like high number 24 card. I'm going to get this amazing benefit. But because it's number 24, your card is going to resolve at the end of the pack, which means that maybe the thing that you were so excited to resolve for may not even be available to you anymore if you're going after, if you're going to use those benefits to go after a scarce resource. Yes. So, let, so let's talk about the the, the tree. Uh, different things that you can uh, that you can get besides just taking over the the town in question. Um, marriage the, track. Yes, let's talk about the marriage track. The marriage track is a, a uh, king of the king of the mountain. Is, is as simple as it gets. You are going to play cards that are going to advance you up that uh, that space. If you land on someone else's space, guess what? You're going to move right back under them to a space lower than they are, unless you're paying, what is it, two, two coins, bucks per two coins yeah. per space to move up. If you achieve the top space at the end of the round, you're going to get the marriage card. The marriage card is generally worth around two victory points, and it's going to allow you to place a, uh, to place a town under your control in one particular region. Each the, card says a different region. Most of them are worth like two points, and you get to place a disc in a region, but there's one that's four points. Bridget. And then Bridget. Oh, uh, God, she is worth... She is just worth every single point. That is the the final her beauty marriage card. To my Irish, no, no, Bridget, to, no, to my Irish listeners the, out there, she's the Rose of Tralee. Oh, that, Bridget is, that Bridget is just Bridget? your. She is basically like the Edith of Down Abbey. She she doesn't give you much, but she does give you points. But the final one is is I forget from Estrid? Denmark. Estrid Lady, Lady from Mary, something. She's Lady Mary. <laughs> final one is the, is the Lady Mary. Uh, but in this case, she's actually just Estrid, Estrid and I think. she gives you some other benefits. But yeah, but there's also some men in there, by the way. Oh, I, yeah. I wound up on a recent game. I had a male suitor of my own. Mm-hmm. Nile? Uh, it wasn't Nile. His name was like Anon or Agnon. You should know. Aiden. 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 You should know one of, the oh. other, one of the other few high kings of Ireland was Nile. He's in there. Yes, Nile of the Nine Hostages. Well, Nile was and stolen the, from and me. And the Donnellys are part of that line. The Donnellys I, were the bannermen. I do like that about the game because, you know, it's the, the marriage cards represent you forming a political alliance with a different family. So I like that they do have male and female. Right. Yeah. And also represented having on the cards. scandalous moments in the boudoir. But, you know, the other thing is <laughs> I actually love games that have marriages in them. I don't know why. I think that's so fun. It's just a great, like, it's a great opportunity for for just to build narrative into a game, just into, yeah. amongst the players, you know. So, so that's the way marriage w- works. The person who has the highest space get uh, wins the marriage. Everyone else gets rewards based on what space that that they're on. And, and in most cases, it's a coin or two coins. If you get high enough, though, it could be something so much as a, a take over a town and a territory. But the key thing to note there is the person who wins the marriage card, meaning you were highest on the track, your piece is going to move all the way back to the start space on this track. Correct. Whereas the other players who did not win, that yeah, they get a little bonus depending on which space they're in, which is usually money. Um, but they stay where they are. Correct. So now they have a leg up when the next round and, starts. And on top of that, so that and that was very interesting in in, in on Tuesday uh, when Joe was playing, uh, one of the spots in that reward track is you can get something called renown. Renown, and basically, the more renown you get, the more it's worth. So each one is more and more and more, and it's really hard to get renown. But he managed to get up on the marriage track, and he just planted on the re- renown spot. And everyone, it was hard to resist those brides and grooms because everyone just was like they wanted those brides and grooms so badly. So they were always going. They were always 
going right past Joe. So Joe never wound up with a bride or groom, but he just kept on getting renowned and he got more and more and more. That'll win you the game. I just want to clarify or question something. When you get renowned from the battle step, you score Score each one that you have, but not when you get it on the marriage track. Oh, I... Really? No, you just get a token here. Correct. Oh, this, you get so the, the token. The- yeah, and then yes. you score each token only on this well, point. Well, Joe, Joe Kananak pulled the wool over your eyes. <laughs> wow. He led you down the primrose That's path. That's my own fault. Well, you know, it Look, still was a cool thing that he did. He's the son but- of an Englishman, all right? They're not to be trusted. Wow. I, wow. This is... But actually, to, by the way, I would Engl- actually... To our English listeners out there, we love you. I am totally saying this in jest. Love you all. <laughs> no... Har- har- I hardly... Harbor nothing but a, a, a an amused Irishman's long distance relationship to that that conflict, which is lo- luckily largely resolved. Adele was just about to hit unsubscribe, but we we got her Thank back you. in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you. No, well, actually, that's I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I will now move that into like a slight criticism of the game. I think that's a little weird that renown works one way up there. I, I guess it's not the renown that well, works differently. But and, let, okay, and let's we'll just come say that, that. that that the other two areas work in a very similar way, which is the person who wins that area uh, loses all of their all of the things they took to get that area so yeah. they're kind mm-hmm. of back to zero again uh it works that way in the church it works that way in the the, the fighting the, the vikings area as well uh the the one that is the most different is fighting the vikings and that is different in this sense that each round of the game a card will flip up and it will say how many vikings are going to be uh bedeviling the irish uh, mainland and wh- <laughs> however many of those there are uh that is what we have to contend with and if we we could defeat them all or we could not. If we defeat them all, hey, yay, one person will have defeated more than anybody else, and they're going to get the renown reward, which is a a token. And when you get this token, you're going to add up that token plus any other tokens of that kind that you have. And so one point it, each, yeah, correct. And if you win multiples, guess what? You're getting one, and then one plus one, and then one plus one plus one, and so on and so forth. Which but is then, not how it works on the marriage track. But then, <laughs> <laughs> but then the next highest. So on the on the in the battle area, the next highest at that point, because the winner again is going to lose correct. all of the tokens that they just um, won with. Um, the next highest, and this applies to ties in mm-hmm. this case, um, would get one point, and they just lose one token. Correct. So they still carry some over. One of the things that I think we did like a rookie move in our very first game is we were all kind of taking care of all the Viking tokens instead of taking advantage of leaving some so that other players sweat because what happens is whoever did the least Viking battling, meaning you had the least amount of tokens at the end of the round, if there are any Vikings left in the battle area... Mm -hmm. You're going to lose one of your towns, and it's going to become Viking controlled. Meaning, right. this well, little token goes on it. Uh, I, I don't know if it's rookie or not, but I wanted to talk about that because that's a very fun thing. It, it's I don't know if it's correct to say it's was it the Spanish prisoner or the prisoner's dilemma? Spanish prisoner is a movie yes. or play, but um, prisoner's uh, dilemma. Prisoner's dilemma a little bit because um, if you if there are Vikings that are left, and you like you said, if they're not, if you don't have any, or if you have the least amount, you're going to lose a city, which you do not want to lose a city. So then everyone wants to go for them uh, to make sure that they're going to be safe. But then if like one of the re- 
but you are also kind of going with it because you want someone to get stuck. And if you so if you go too hard, then the then you just sort of might just go for them in and there's no benefit. It's a kind of a tricky like yeah. thing with like with Viking management is is kind of interesting and very tricky. Yeah, and this is very much a game where you can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And I think you also can't just go in with a strategy of like, hey, every game I'm just going to try to win with doing a lot of Viking stuff. Because you have to just watch what other players are doing. And then this is going to come back to why the card drafting is so important. Because if you leave yourself with a hand where you can't respond to you know someone like all of a sudden putting you in a position where you have the least amount of Viking Raider tokens and you can't do something to then get one and make someone else the right it's right that's rough well let's move on to our thoughts I think we've given a, a, a fairly oh. good you want oh, to talk about yeah can we talk about the church real quick sure okay so church in general <laughs> or in this game I mean you you, you, you so, win the most okay fine. go ahead similarly and also like with the Viking Raider tokens when you take that action you can always spend any amount of money, $2 per to get more tokens, just like you can get further up the track. Similarly with the church, you're going to be putting your discs out there. You know, the card might say, okay, you can put three, but you could always spend like $2. You could always spend two two coins that you do not have. Yeah. (laughs) The game will always allow you to spend the coins that the game does not allow you to get. (laughs) But but the church church allows you to place monasteries on your towns and monasteries are so important because they make your towns worth two instead of one for the purposes of scoring the area majorities so double ladies and gentlemen yes double double because you have double. to concentrate the, yeah. the protection so, and the blessing of the one true church yeah so you you can shift majorities or you know block someone from getting claim of a region by simply building a monastery so you can't ignore the church like all these all these areas are important and you know everything can, is can important help. Everything and interlinked is important. and it's like a cluster a cluster <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cluster so what do we think of the game i'm gonna start with candace what do you think of brian baru what are your what are your highs what are your lows and when and where do you okay. where do you come out okay i love it all right. I love it. I, I loved it since the moment I started reading the rule book. Um, once we were playing our first game, mm-hmm. ugh, I love it. I love it because it's so easy to learn. Mm-hmm. It is. And like the iconography is really well done. But it's there's so much just interesting player interaction and all these decisions you have like even when you're the person leading the trick deciding which place to put that pink donut is critical because you you could say like oh i'm gonna start you know i'm gonna start attracting people to this new region or maybe you want to put it somewhere where you're like i definitely want to win this because this is going to help me you know get seven points (laughs) you know if i win this but also you could Place it somewhere where, again, you're enticing other players to then fight over it while you could be doing other stuff like marriage track and raider tokens. And it's just like a game where you have to constantly be playing the players. Um, I also just love the I like the card drafting a lot and how, you know, as people catch on to how the game works how that like decision of which cards to take. I mean, I have my own personal strategies and I'm mm-hmm. currently undefeated at 
This, I mean, so I, is, I might. Is that right? I am. I've won every single just game. Vicious, Are you vicious really? Yep. Is it true? I've I, been brutalized I have, by. I life. have played. I feel like that. That's not what I played. Yep. yep. You won the game I, I played with you. Yes, I've won every single game I played. Is that right? I've played with three, four, and five players. So just three games at this point. By the way, Candice loves games. She always wins. <laughs> <laughs> I rarely win. But I just think there's something about this game that I guess I'm getting. And, you know, I'm playing with new people. Sure, I was new sure. to it. So it's like I'm really excited to play it more with people who are experienced to see how that, like, really grinds out. Sure. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's a fantastic game. I love that it's it's very low scoring and every, every point kind of matters. And mm-hmm. also, most importantly, you don't have to, like, if you're not into, like, area majority games – you don't have to focus on that. Most games, I don't do well in the area majority scoring, but I'm doing, I'm pivoting, I'm doing other things. Like I'm winning these marriage cards or I'm doing the Raider token thing where I'm scoring my Renown Mm -hmm. tokens more and more. Mm -hmm. And then I get like, you know, you can't ignore the area majority, you know, because that's that's a significant amount of points. You could do what what I did in the last game, which is do a little bit of everything and really get nothing. You could just like, <laughs> you could just. I, don't that, do no, that. That was, let's let's don't move over to, to Ben O'Mandelker. But what, despite what sounded like actually a negative commentary, that was more a reflection on my gameplay. I just had like a, I had a, a bad game of playing a, it. This is a game that you can that you can, can do a lot of things and achieve nothing. <laughs> but well, actually, I want to. What do you think I'm going to say about this game, Tom? Oh, Ben, what do I think you're going to say? Do you want to this out? This is a fun new way to review games. Yes. <laughs> I believe that, Ben, you, that at the end of it, that I think you think it's a, a good game. I think you find it uh, interesting. But I do think that you see a few a few flaws in it, in that it in that there's a frustration that can that, that can crop up in the game that is built into the, that's built into the design that you're not sure that you can get past. That's my so, opinion. Uh, you would think that I would say that. I actually think that's what I would think I would say. But you're not. But I say actually that. really enjoyed this game oh, quite a bit. Yeah. I um, so I, I thought it was very fun. Uh, I think that the the decisions are very fascinating. I think that there's uh the actions you do are are pretty simple, but that it, there are lots and lots and lots of considerations that uh unfold. But um, you know, the first time I played was with Candace and her Matt and uh Jake. Jake. And we had her Jake. Um, we had <laughs> Jake too. We had a, such a fun time. It was just it was. But you know what? There was like a lot of table talk. There was a lot of banter. There was a lot of posturing. A lot of character. A lot of like, oh, you're gonna go? Are you gonna clap that person? Um, there was a. There, it was so. It was like this really, really fun game. And like midway through, we broke to have lunch, and it, it just felt like it was just like a. It was just like a great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, second time was like a quieter experience. There was not as much table talk. Mm-hmm. And I did notice that like without that table talk, the game may have lost a little bit of its sparkle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's still I think it's still a, like a really, really, really good game for what it is. I, that being said, so I do I do have quibbles. You, did, you were right. I have quibbles. You have quibbles. I have a quibble. And, I have two and quibbles. You, you also were going to say something about Irish jukebox. I, mean, I just want to. Oh yeah, I, ping well, that for you. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will come to that. Quibble right, first. Quibble first. Quibble, we're going to be quibble forward at the moment. All right. So uh, first uh, the quibbles, then the jukebox. <laughs> the quibbles, then the jukebox. Uh, one is the new quibble. I have a brand new quibble. I thought that is a little weird about how the renown works. It, it's not that the renown works differently. It's just the game uses them differently. That that's like a little quibble. Sure. But that's kind of like really. Um, uh, my but the o- iconography says 
Well, uh, that, I don't know. It, does, it, I don't, doesn't, it doesn't say to, when you score them. It's not equivalent for me. It doesn't say when you score them. I think that, that iconography that's on the board is a little confusing. And I think it's... Um, I like the way the game treats these various tracks where like if you're at the top of the track, you get the big reward. But like second... There's usually some... There's a little bit of like housekeeping in terms of like they lose their pieces. Now you you get a point. Now you lose only one. But if you're this, you might lose all. It's a little kind of like... Right. The it's, procedure is... Um, it's a little... Uh, takes uh, some reps to kind of like internalize that, which is, I, I think, a little annoying. But um, there is something about the game that doesn't make me want to rush to play it. Mm. Like, that sort of has, it's, that's a little bit of an X factor. And I, I do wonder, like, um, uh, you know, like, will, like, after like five or six plays, will I say, well, I'm either going to go up this track or this track or this track? I don't know if I'm going to have that experience or not. And sometimes I even think it's unfair to, to sit, to, to make, to make that a negative about a game like if you feel that way then you feel it but if you don't feel that way yet why even bring it up like this might get old but that being said when i have played it i thought that the decisions were really really rich and very very fun all right surprising all right. right it's not my type of game this is not my type of game by any stretch of the imagination so can no, I just no, it's, respond it's, to one of the your, yes. your couple of your quibbles just oh, real and quick then the oh, yes. and then the and then the jukebox i was just gonna say <laughs> i don't personally think that it will get stale unless maybe you're playing with the same people always because I feel like you know depending on where people place their towns and start spreading that kind of mixes things up quite a bit mm-hmm. and I don't know I, th- I think it will, I think it'll stay fresh all right um, the jukebox thing. Yes. Now, this is what I, this is one thing that I enjoyed. It's really not that the game did it but it actually was something about the hobby. Which is that um, the the time that you were playing the Irish jukebox and I was playing a different uh, game, you were at the other table. This, these songs were playing and you were just, like singing along. And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> he was like going on and he knew like the you knew the lyrics to so many of these songs. And I was like, I, I was like, I, was, I never like had met someone who knew these songs. Right? They're just sort of like these songs you sometimes just hear that are played or in the background <laughs> movie, but you knew them. And I was like, Tom, you know all these songs, and you're like, yes, you know, you grew up with them, and you said how actually one of them sang at your dad's funeral. I sang, yeah, and I sang the I, parting glass at my father's funeral. Yeah. And I actually thought, like, this is actually what's amazing about this hobby, right? Is that, like, this just gave me an insight into Tom. It gave, I learned a little bit about Tom. It also made me reflect on this music, that this isn't just, like, this music that just plays, some, they play in a movie. Like, there are people that listen and grew up with this music the same way I, like, my parents played klezmer music, you know? Oh, and I it's love, like I love klezmer music. It just rem- but it reminds you that, like, these things are, like, we, we have these connections. And I sort of had this moment of, of, of sort of, I was thinking, it made me think a little bit more about Irish culture and everything. And I thought that was a very cool thing that this game brought out for me. Oh, oh that's awesome. Yeah. That is sweet. I wish you saved that for the end because now it's my turn to talk about the game. <laughs> <laughs> After such a sweet thing. Look, all right. So I had my, my, uh, my great aunt May and May was the queen of Ireland. She was like she was like one of these people that queen. just just floats through life. Like everyone is always doting on her and taking care of her. True story, we, she would come and visit with us and we would drive her down to Atlantic City because she liked gambling. She mm. loved it, loved it. And she would gamble for a while and my parents would would walk uh, on the boardwalk and walk on the beach. They weren't really uh, gamblers per se. And eventually they would get tired and they'd be like, all right, uh, go find your Aunt May. It's time to go. I'll go find Aunt May. And she'll be at a slot machine and she'll be on a hot streak because everything works out for her. And then she will look at me 
and she'll look around and say, who's, who said we got to go? Was it your ma or your da? And I said, that's my da. And she's, <laughs> and she's like, here you, go, here you go. This is $40. You, you spend it on whatever you like, okay? You, <laughs> nice. didn't, you didn't see me, all right? Don't find me for another hour or two. <laughs> and she, she was like a little devil, and she would just do that sort of thing. But she had only three states. She had fair how are you doing, Anime? Oh, I'm fair. I'm fair. It's all, all, is, all is well. All is well. Uh, second state was grand, right? Oh, I'm grand. Just grand. And, and the third state was glorious. Glorious. So I didn't realize it, but when I would hear her say fair, it meant she was actually not feeling very well or not, uh, not doing so well. Um, and I will say that for me, Brian Baru is grand. Not oh. It is oh, not. I thought you were going to give it the fair. Yeah, like, me no, too. No, 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 no. It is, it is not glorious. Brian Baru is not a glorious game. It does not, uh, for me, and that's just just for me, um, I one of the plays that I had, I never got a card over 20. And when you don't, you really, you're in a situation where you can't win the uh, uh, the you know these things, and so you're you're stuck only playing the second game. You're stuck only playing the uh, get enough to get a monastery, and then you're back down to zero. Get enough to win a marriage, and then you're back down to zero. And if you're not able to put out those discs the other way, it's just it's a little bit of a slog, and it's a little bit of a one dimensional game, and that's uh, sometimes having nothing to do with you. And by the way, the card drafting exacerbates that. Because if you, in your initial draw of five cards, you don't have a single card that's o- that's over 20, you're going to pick two cards and you're going to pass them. The odds that somebody is going to pass you a card higher than 20 is fairly low because mm-hmm. those are cards that oftentimes will be will be held on to, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that's not great. May, may I... Um, By all means. May I uh, interject here? Of course. Um, first of all, we didn't really talk about that, but I think that's actually one of the things that's kind of funny about the game is the way you can deprive people, you can choke people off because, like, uh, oh, yeah. choke people off sounds very wrong. But like, <laughs> <laughs> on the but map, like, yeah. I was like, yes. I was refusing. I have passing cards to Candace, and I refused to give her a red card. I was like, I'm not letting her into the Viking game as much <laughs> as I possibly can. <laughs> and so you can do that, but, but but this game only goes clockwise. Yeah. Right, other games where you do that denial, you go clockwise, then you go counterclockwise, then you go clockwise. So you're 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 dishing the dirt in in different ways. In this game, uh, the, uh, which is a second, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish what you wanted to say, no. and then I'll go on. No, I was just going to say the other thing is that um, it's interesting when you said that you never got a card above twenty, so therefore you could never win. When I've actually found um, that it's not guaranteed that you would lose with a low card. Like there have been times you surprisingly win with like a 12 or, or uh, Mike in our game won a few times with like a really low card because we either, either we couldn't follow or we had other things we had to do and we get so frustrated oh. like, oh, we let him get another cheap city. But you, you, can't, you can't plan on winning, I should say. Right. I had a situation in my three-player game mm-hmm. where one player kept winning and that was a problem for her. <laughs> like, she was. She didn't want to win the tricks, but we weren't playing things because it was more important for us to do other things. Sure. So I think that might be something like I don't. I certainly do not just go for like high cards when I'm drafting. So I think that might be an inexperienced player thing. Um, that maybe once you play a game where everybody has played the game and knows how it works, that 
I don't know. I don't find the high cards necessarily to be all that desirable. But you if, felt if you it let, was if you let me win, if you let me win again and again and again, I will win the game because I know because I choose where the next where the next town is. And you can win the game that way. It, it, it's, yeah. it's it's the the the. I, I'm pretty sure that the math of it works out that the the benefit of of grabbing a town versus putting down three tokens in in the church that is three quarters of the way to a plus one. Yeah, as, a, as just, opposed to a plus one. I just disagree because sure. I rarely win. The eight tricks and the active town, and I've won every single game. So, no, but like, rarely is different than never. And in the yeah. game, in the game that you won with me, you won. I would say you won at least one town most rounds. I don't think so. I don't know if you remember because you didn't even remember that I won the game. Uh, <laughs> it's possible. All coming out. It's too but much, no, I, too I just. Possible, I'm, too I'm, I you won, do you not won a bunch, go of, for, You won several marriages, yeah. but you also won. I. Cities. In any case, I think both points are fair. Being forced into only playing the one-dimensional part of the game and not being able to to play that is difficult. The other thing is is that the consequence of that was that the person to my right was the person that was hoarding the high cards, which is why I wasn't getting any of the high cards, which meant they were winning the cities more often, which means they were the start player. Which means I am the second player to go in, and as you mentioned, being the second player to go is a bad situation. Yes, because yeah. you that are, is that is rough. That yeah, yeah, and that is and that is through no no. I have no control over that, and no uh, and, an and no way to, to to do that. The that to me is the that to me is the is the is the more of the critique because I think that like like not having high cards or stuff you can do around, but in terms of how it affects your position in player order, I can definitely see how that could be. Uh, hamstring your experience but it could also like if you are the second player and you play a low card i think there are lots of benefits to taking your action first sometimes like on the marriage track if you play a low card and you move up to spot three mm-hmm. on the marriage track and that's People then anybody else who wants to play at the marriage track yeah they're gonna have to pay to go above you or below you so mm. yeah I, I think time something. i think i think time will tell because like I haven't run into those situations. Is there is there any advantage to going early on the marriage track? I mean, on the on the uh, uh, the, church. the church track. No, there isn't. No. If anything, no. if anything, you are telling people well, what they need to, to yeah. do to beat you. Mm-hmm. You want- so in reality, yeah. in reality, it is better to go early on the marriage track. Right. It is better to go later on the uh, on the church on the church track, and it is much better to go later on the military track. Uh, I actually don't think it's much better. It's that's a little bit of a draw. On the one hand, you have the same thing where it's like if you're going to go early on the military track, you're you're signaling things. On the other hand, you have a limited resource, so sometimes I've definitely seen it, and I've been the victim of it too, where I'm like ready. To claim Vikings and there are none left, so it can okay. go. It can yeah, go yeah, both yeah. ways. Okay, there. I get that. That's, yeah, but that's but that's it. That goes both ways. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, you know, look, look. So you got burned I, a little I bit want there. To, I want to love this game. Well, I've I've played it twice, and one time I did not run into that situation mm-hmm. where I I had a wider range of cards in over the course of the game. Um, did I love it more? Not, no, not, not really. I mean, I wasn't frustrated by it. 
I wasn't I wasn't put into a situation where yeah, I wasn't for frustrated. no for no reason that I I was put into that that game it, you don't get cards high enough to win yeah or at least almost never um, and you're the you're the first person to have to play out your card after the person who's winning all of these all these things it's a it's a it's a tough situation uh, the the other the other game um, was was better but I guess I guess at the end of the day. Um, getting four tokens in the ma- in the church box so that I can make a monastery, and then I lose all four tokens, and I have to start from scratch. And there are people there that have three tokens already, which is just it just feels like a climb to get back into that game. The people that are at, at, on spaces three and four of the marriage track. So in order to get to marriage, I'm gonna have to do multiple, multiple, multiples just to get one one thing there. It just it. Yeah, but if you if you don't if you don't win something like the marriage track, then you're set up for next round to try to like take that. True. And also, I think that like with the monasteries, like there was a point where somebody was either going to expand or thinking about which town to put the active town marker, and I kind of threatened them a little bit, like, "Well, I'm just going to build a monastery there, and you're not going to win anyway." And I I pushed them. Yeah, so I pushed them to do something else just with the threat of me because I had a couple little tokens in there. Um, I think I, I, I wonder Tom, like had you played with us for the first time and just had a different first experience, if you would have a different overall experience. I don't know. Because it sounds like we your had first ver- game was and we had, had some very, frustrations. very social. Well, Again, my, it was rowdy. It was social. My first game was with Matt. Uh, Robinson. Yeah, Robin, I remember that. Robinson. That was the Irish jukebox time, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed it enough. But uh, look, first of all, it's not a heavyweight game. No, this is a this is a medium weight game, and and, and how does it, it play? doesn't take very long. And by the way, how does it play with? I've only played with four players. How three, five? How does three it, is great because you do even though you do less rounds, you draft more cards, so you're playing more mm. ca- cards each round. Um, so the nice. board's still filling up in an interesting way, and yeah, so I, I think it played well with all player well, counts. I think we can. I think we can say this clearly about Brian Baru. I have been overruled, and uh, there is the implication that I am wrong. It's almost like and, you don't know your own and, heritage. And by the way, well, <laughs> and, and I will. I will say that that could be part of it. That really, I have. That I wanted so badly for a great Irish game, mm. and it's not really. It's a, it's not a, it's a theme. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a the theme is not pasted on because it's it's in there. It's right. more it's more than pasted on, but it's less than rich. I'll say that. Yeah, and that's... and maybe part of me was was yearning for more, and mm. and and that could be uh, the the reason that I I find it to be grand. Yeah, just but not grand. but not glorious. But you have to admit, though, I do feel like a lot of the decisions, like this, is not multiplayer solitaire. I do feel like you True. are really considering, True. and you're you're thinking about how you're going to send the like w- the cards that you're sending to that person where you need to be. So I feel like a lot of the game is above the table, as they say, which mm-hmm, I think is mm-hmm. a real a real plus. Ladies and gentlemen, we are we are burning through time. Let us move on to the member segment. Candace, we're going to be talking about uh, area majority and area influence games. You like these games, don't you? I do. I, lo- I tend to really enjoy games that 
you know, have some area majority, just like or an area influence scoring, similar to Brian Baru, mm-hmm. um, but also have like other things working with them. I find, you know, in a similar way that I like deck building games, I always prefer games that have deck building mixed in with other things. So it's the same thing for me with, you know, area majority games. Yeah, I, area majority games are you know some of my favorite earliest games that I that I ever played. One thing I like about them is that um, they are a it's a very Euro way of having direct player versus player conflict, mm-hmm. right? It yeah. is it is you have two pieces there. I now have three pieces there, and it's it's not rolling your die, and my my big plastic mini crushes your little plastic mini, and you die, and you're out of the game, <laughs> but. It feels a lot like that. It feels a lot like you. Why you just punched me in the solar plexus? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why are you picking on me? And the many different ways that these these Euro games mitigate that, or adjust that, or control that—they're um, always fascinating. There's so many different ways to mm-hmm. to turn something where the person who has the most wins this. Uh, is fascinating. I mean, to the point where some things give points for second place and points for third place, and the person who wins the game in those situations often can be the person that won nothing but came in second, second in, in, four, a lot of in things. four in yeah. four places, which, yeah. which is what I always try to do. And by the way, it always fails for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to draw that line a little bit as as sure. we were talking about this, but between area majority and influence versus area control, they're kind of like first cousins maybe even siblings sure. um mm-hmm. because i th- for K- me kissing cousins kissing kissing cousins, <laughs> kissing cousins. Uh, for me like in my mind i see area control and this it's not the official definition it's just the, the ben definition is sort of like where there's like a tussle like like we are coming into the same place and i'm going to eliminate you from that space and now i now i own it so i think of the various like blood rages or even you know our like Forbidden Stars and Twilight Imperiums and Eclipses. Wallenstein and things yeah, like that. Or even yeah. like uh, Lords of Vegas or even Hans Teutonica to me seem more area control than they are yep. area majority. Yep. So right. I know I just wanted to sort of create that line in case people are listening saying like, but what about this game and what about that game? You know, maybe that like, you know, maybe some games that people might expect us to talk about that yeah. we're not going to talk about because they're, they're more like a tussle space. Right. I, I would agree with your Ben definition of that. Thank you, the tussling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like the way I kind of separate them in my head is that the area control is focused on, hey, you control this area, whereas like area majority, area influence, you can, you know, win points, a certain amount of points if you have this much influence there. Yeah, presence. Or, and- yeah, a certain amount if you have this much presence there. A varied um, level of reward as opposed to all or nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And there's games, there obviously, that straddle both those lines. Where, yes. Where yes. It's and there's also a lot of games that just incorporate those elements, but aren't. it's not really like the main thrust of the game. Yeah. Uh, and another thing games like this often will do is they will create a, a variety of scoring opportunities. So it, it so it is not just when that you have an area majority, it's do you have an area majority in that thin sliver of time when that is going to score? Yeah. And there are a lot of wonderful mechanisms and wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, games that have come up with different ways of skinning that cat, of controlling the, 
the scoring opportunities more than just controlling your pieces on the board. And that adds another, mm-hmm. that adds another layer of complexity to these designs. Yeah. Uh, I will also say that this is not, I would not say it's like my favorite um, mm-hmm. thing. Um, so like of the ones that I picked for this segment, um, like I think there's some, some people who are like really into like area majority and this or that will probably have, a very different list than than what I have. Yeah. So for me, I'm I'm choosing ones that are um that like a, like a non area majority person's area majority kind of games. Right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, area majority, I would say, was probably the dominant uh, mechanism in the early days of the hobby. Mm-hmm. I would say that uh, early Euro games, uh, area majority was a- as likely or more likely than any other to be a primary uh, mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably up until uh, Agricola or something along those lines, where worker placement became uh, the, the the dominant paradigm, and then gradually moved on to to other paradigms as well. Um, but I do think that it is something that is still is still around, but fallen a little out of fashion. Or it's it's you know I to me. It is the reduction of player versus player conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have moved into games that are far more likely to be multiplayer solitaire, where you're solving a an individual puzzle, trying to solve it better than the other players, uh, as opposed to battling other players for shared rewards that are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, that's that's a miss. That's a, a that's a, that's something that I wish we I wish the the dial went the other way, right? Yeah, I mean, I I sometimes, you know, I think one of the reasons why area majority is not like my favorite thing is because sometimes it just comes down to like I'm I'm putting some pieces down here, you're putting some pieces down here, I'm putting some pieces down here, and then like boom, the bell rings, and like you just happen to do it before me. Sometimes it feels a little arb not it's not arbitrary because it's a good game. We'll have it like it's that it, there's thought and there's rich decisions leading up to how things get in there. Uh, but sometimes it feels a little bit more just like, you know, um, it's like the culmination of it's, it's, sometimes it feels like it's a culmination of nothing. It's just like, I just put stuff in there and I had in the right time at the right place. And I got, I scored my things. Right. Um, so that's why it doesn't always sing for me, but, but the proper games do it well, do it well. And it's mm. super fun. And listen, some people don't like that. The reason that multiplayer solitaire games have become more and more popular is that they're inoffensive, right? People mm-hmm. don't get hurt by that. Whereas it, area area majority games, you can you could feel like you're getting a bloody nose after yeah. a while in in a game like that. And yeah. and for for some people. That can that could be an unpleasant experience to some degree. I like it. Uh, <laughs> this is like, like know, it frothing at the mouth over here. Um, <laughs> I would say that both of you, uh, Ben and Candace, you are the nicest people that kind of enjoy putting the hurt on. Like, like <laughs> both of you. Like, I, I remember that. Like when I first like played games night. with you, Ben, when 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 you first when you first came into the the group, I was like. Oh man, Ben is awesome. He's like he's he's knowledgeable and he's smart and he's all this sort of stuff. I just I wonder if he is going to be turned off when the heat gets turned up. And then we played this one game where I said, Ben, you realize if you do that, you're you're totally like like you're totally wiping me out. And I'm like in second place or third place maybe. And you looked at me and you said, Yeah, I'm okay with that. 
<laughs> and I was, Classic. And, and in that moment, I was like, "It's he's going to be all right." Well, it's very strange. I, I tend to, I'm, I love to turtle. I love to turtle. I actually don't like to get into. I find that the sometimes the conflict is stressful, but then, uh, and then sometimes the flip switches where all the I don't know. I be, sometimes I'm like, "Well, I'm going in, so I'm going to go in hard." I'm like, and I just yeah. am ruthless. <laughs> and and Candace right out the go. Like the first time you play Candace. Avalon with Candace, she's just like, You're evil. I know you're evil. I'm not trusting you. <laughs> and later in the game, everyone's like, No, Candace, I think we're pretty sure that that the math of it is is that he's good. No, he's evil. And uh, I am going to vote this down, no matter what. And I just know, okay. Candace, there's no question that you that you like fisticuffs yeah and, and, yeah she loves it I, yeah it's good it, in it feels game. yeah it gets you worked up you know <laughs> she goes in get you worked up oh my goodness should we get to our top five or should is there anything else we want to uh, to to explore in the space yeah. how are we doing this one we're gonna one go, person we're gonna, at a time or one person at a time and we're okay. gonna go from five down to your your number one and this is not the best area control games these are the most interesting interesting takes could mean on area control um should we go ben candace tom or what, what, what yeah let's, you let's do, God, let's do ben okay. candace tom what is your number five sir okay well the ones i didn't include I'll, um, i said i'm no. gonna use it in one no. sentence the ones no. that i didn't include no. will be remain well i'll put on social media <laughs> <laughs> um so for number five the one i chose um i chose it because it has like a ton of area control going on and it has like I think about 15 or more, maybe even 20 different area control battles happening like almost at once. And mm-hmm. that's Kalimala. Kalimala, yeah. I thought about it at the last <laughs> second. It's, um, it's a really, it has a real old school feel to it. Um, it's a highly interactive game uh, where the main thing is like you, when you take an action, someone can take that same action. And if you've taken the action already, you get to sort of take the action again if they do it. It's sort of mm-hmm. like this multiple triggers and all the actions work in service of basically creating resources that you can then send to specific places. It's basically cubes. You're moving cubes around. Right. It's essentially you're moving cubes around. Um, and it is uh, a throwback game. It looks like a throwback, throwback game. Everything about it is very, it's like a, it's like a lovely little game. And, um, and it's all in service of these like, tons of area control battles that start to fire off and i'm not explaining why how they fire off but but at a certain point in the game they start to fire off hmm. and you're like okay who has the most presence in the in c cities who has the most presence in these cities in these cities in this and here and here and here and it's one after the other after the other so you are like you are literally balancing so many area control things but they're kind of like small you never feel like if you lose one your game is over because they're like what so we're with like three two and one points but it's like enough. It's like little little ones here and there that if you ignore them too much, you are going to fall behind. So you're just like balancing a bunch of things, and uh, it's a it's a very fun game, and it's worth checking out. I don't think I've even heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, I play. I played Kalamala. I've only played it once, but I want to play it again. It's a very good. Same game. designer as Mer and Ragusa. I have That's it. Right. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, ben has. It. I cool. don't have it. It's fun. Know. We I brought it actually to game night. Uh, like maybe the two months I played it I with remember. Mike and Dimitri. I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little soulless. A little soulless, but very fun. <laughs> it's fun. What is your number five, Candace? Oh, so we are going around. Oh, would you, okay, would you, I thought oh. we were doing all games. No, oh, no, 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 that's fine. This Num- is perfect. Number five for everybody. So my number five is Jiraku. Which, Never played it. Okay, so Jiraku is in this really tiny box, and it's a trick-taking 
area majority game. Mm -hmm. So, which is like very, you know, similar to Brian Baru, um, in that you're playing you mean tricks. Grand. <laughs> it's like a round old game. You you have this Not small glorious. you have this small board uh, split into different regions, and they all score differently over the course of three rounds. So the scoring again for the majorities changes each round in each region. So there's some regions that don't really score well to the third round. Some do really well in the first round. But you're playing cards a la normal trick taking rules. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And when you play a card, you can um, not only you're going to see like if you win the trick, but you can take an action like putting some of your cubes out in the area, matching the number of the card you put, or you could like maybe move some from a certain area. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you, everybody has these. Um, are they daimos? Um, daimos? Yes. Something, um, but they're they're worth two points, and all your cubes are worth one point. So you're doing a lot to shift things and put things around. So when a scoring round triggers, um, you know you want to have the most influence as many areas as you can. And then it also has like a bunch of different like variants you can kind of throw in. And I really I don't know. I think it's interesting. Let me tell you this. Even though I suggested this topic, it mm-hmm. was kind of hard for me <laughs> to it- like. To figure it out, but I wanted to You're kind of in the hobby mention, four years, yeah. and most of the great, great uh, area control games, the classic, predate your entry yeah. into the hobby by a considerable amount. So but I, 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 th- I think this game is really interesting. I love that it comes in such a small box, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so that was the first game that I know of that combined trick taking with area majority scoring. So, fantastic. I, so that's my number five. Draft. I, I did play that once. Yeah, and um. It it has stuck with me, in it has stuck with me. The thing is this: <laughs> I wow. was extremely what does that mean? okay. I, I'll tell it's you what it means. Fair. It was fair. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I actually specifically remember truly being hangry, and I think I didn't want to okay. play it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was forced. Mm-hmm. I remember like, but to me, um, I I remember it as actually sort of it stays in my mind as a game of. Um, one thing I don't like about area control, I don't, I don't love games where you feel like you're sort of like moving cubes onto the board and moving them off. Mm-hmm. And I had felt that with that game. I had felt like I'd put cubes on and someone play a card and my cubes would come off. And I'd do something and put the cubes back on and the cubes come off. And that, had, that really frustrated me with that game. But I will also say it was several years ago and I really, I'm, I'm not being like jokey. Like I was really hungry and I think I was in a grouchy mood. And I'm, I'm. Are you diabetic because <laughs> because you have your your mood to food ratio is, like, is off the charts, like more than I'm an most. emotional being. Um, but uh, uh, but I but you know I'm willing to. I, I think it's time to revisit because I think my game tastes have changed also, mm-hmm. and I think that probably. Uh, I probably would enjoy it a lot more now. Yeah, it's a it's a lighter game, um, and again, like throwing in some of the different variants really uh, mixes it up a bit. You had me at it's like Brian Baru. <laughs> <laughs> my so it's grand. My number five uh, area control game or area 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 management game. Oh, is got a box. Liberté. Yeah, Ooh, we're, we we're, 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 we're live. We're live. So I have uh, all five games hidden here from view. It's very and nice. I'll be bringing them out Ooh. one at a time to <laughs> show love you it, guys. Love it. This is Liberté. This is a Martin Wallace area control masterpiece. It is a fantastic game. It is about the French Revolution. And the best thing I can say about it is when you play the game, 
uh, unlike Brian Brew, you feel like you're in the time period and you're playing the mm. game. It, you feel like you're in the French Revolution. You have a hand of cards, and those cards are going to put out influence of one particular type. And there are, th- there are three different factions, right? There's the revolutionaries, there's the monarchists, there's a, and so on and so forth. You are putting, ter- and it says which territory you can put it in and how much of that influence you can put in. The cool thing is, is that, as you know, in a lot of area ma- majority games, you're sometimes putting 10 pieces into that area to make sure you have more than the guy that has nine pieces. In Liberté, only th- you place up to six players and at most, three factions can be in any one, three players can be in any one region. Mm. And each person's stack in that region can be a maximum of three high. So you cannot put more than three pieces into any one region. And if three people are already in that region, you can't put anything in there. What it does is it creates all of these ties. And the ties are resolved by the cards that were played to put the cards out there in the first place. You're going to play a whole bunch of cards, but only four of which are going to be able to stay in front of you. And they're going to be the adjudication of ties. Ooh, play this. So you are putting together. Uh, it is. This sounds great. I almost so bought this. Smart. I almost bought this at the Strategicon virtual flea market a couple of years ago. And now you're making me <laughs> it looks, regret it. And by the way, the, the, the box art is so evocative. It really is like, it, it really looks like Les Mis. <sighs> it looks yeah, like Hugh I, Jackman should be coming through here. We need to play. We need to play soon. That, that was a great pitch, Tom, because that sounds very, that's really interesting. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Glorious. One, one other thing I'll say, it's glorious. It's, it's, it's a glorious game. Uh, can you hear the people sing, exactly. singing the songs of angry men? It is it's absolutely wonderful. The other thing I will say is that there are two other ways the game can end beyond just getting to the end. And that is if the revolutionaries or another faction achieve too much success. So you are you are largely agnostic as to who is winning these things. You just want to be the one that is controlling the winning party in these areas. Mm-hmm. But if a, certain factions win too much... The game will end on a successful revolution or a successful successful counter revolution. Uh There you go. That is my number five. Wow. And we almost played at BGG Con, too. I know. I I, I mentioned it. Was it Trey that chickened out because it was late? Maybe. Oh, I would have been down. It sounds like something he would do. (laughs) Wow. That's Um, my number five. Number four. Let's play that game night next. Um, Okay. My number four. you know, again, you know, and again, I, I also just want to preface that as with all these lists, I'm sure it's with you guys too. It's like if I had made this list tomorrow, could this be might different. Have, this might have, yeah. might not have even been on it. It may, sure. it may have been something like Ethnos that was on the list that's not on the list. You know, I Ethnos was on no, my no, long no, list. No, no, he's he's <laughs> trying once again to put his honorable it mention yeah. into the like, podcast, yeah. which I said you cannot do. <laughs> like, now, guess what? Your number four is now Ethnos. You don't get to say what you're. <laughs> that was on my consideration okay. list too. No, we, I, actually, no. I actually didn't put on because I thought Candace might put on. Okay, okay. Either way, though. My number four, I thought it was a really a super super interesting use of area uh, area majority is Ginkopolis. Mm. Um, that was on my list oh, too. Good. So good. Um, I <laughs> really good. Uh, I've sort of like recently reconnected with the game because uh, it finally was re released. Uh, we might I, we might want to like uh, review it because it was a game that was out of print for so long and now it's finally back. I think I, it's on the list. I have the, never played Ginkopolis. Oh, yet. we should. I think you would enjoy it. I would love to play it. And it's not. It, it has some flaws, That's but right. I think that it's it's a really really interesting game, uh, wherein you're building 
the, the theme, by the way, is LOL because it's just so ridiculous. But it's like the theme is essentially you are building a city of the future in ginkgo trees, I think, or sure. using ginkgo trees. And um, this game, there's nothing about this game that feels like city building. Um, but <laughs> but you are, it's essentially an abstract, but you are, um, you're, it's, it involves card play. It involves building a tableau. You create an engine and you basically use these cards to build this uh, three-dimensional, like, quote-unquote city in front of you. And as you build these cities, you're putting sort of like your little pegs on on the spots that you build. And the taller, you know, because you can stack tiles on tiles, and the taller the, the tile stack, the more pegs you get to put down. Mm-hmm. And then you it creates these districts of tiles, and then whoever has the most in those districts... It's hard to, I literally cannot even explain it, but the, uh, the sort of intersection of uh, tableau building and the stacking tiles and all the funky things, and you create these sections that you're like, oh, I have the majority of this section, and then someone comes, and they can just like bisect it and just like split your section in two, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this thing that was going to get you 12 points is only yeah, getting you three it's points. it's really cool. It's very, it's I've only real, played it once. You can play it on Boitage, which is online. I site. have it. Yeah. I got the reprint. Great, me too. And then you're we just, you're just sending people to all these foreign websites. Well, you know, I just want <laughs> people to. What is the problem with you? With a good American, <laughs> a good old fashioned American website. So uh, for sure, like try it out though on that site uh, to get to sort of like figure it out. But it's a it's a really interesting drafting tableau city building and a gorgeous game. Ginkopolis is beautiful. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of like the look of it. I like the look of it. I feel I have a whole thing where I feel like if the components were, if there was more thought into some of the components and like changing the sort of like the way certain elements of the game were called, it would uh, feel more like city building. Like instead of it. pegs, it should be like city stories. Make got a it. re-implementation of it. Candace, Maybe I will. Number All right. four. My number four is dominant species marine. Yes. So I, and oh, marine over dominant species just because I played marine more, but sure, you know, sure. they both could be considered here. Um, they are worker placement games where you are, in the case of Dominant Species Marine, um, everybody is kind of controlling or taking on the role of one of the four major aquatic classes, uh, right. you know, reptiles, crustaceans, whatever, yeah, yeah. All, all that good stuff. And it's, you know, abstractly creating what happened at the end of the Ice Age where you have this beautiful, beautiful like turquoise board and you know it starts with some different types of tiles out there like kelp and land and ocean tiles and sand or whatever Mm. Um, and each tile scores differently uh, for first, second or third you know most of your species these little wooden cubes you're putting out but it just it's really interesting because it's it's worker placement it has this really cool pawn system where um the other thing that's out on the board is different elements and your particular um species um can only survive in certain types of elements so there are element little element tokens around each type of uh hex land hex or you know um but so you're trying to like adapt your species by collecting tokens on your player board to make your species more adaptable. Um, and then you're playing these event cards to, you know, kill other people's species and you're putting them out, you're moving them, you're migrating to different places. So it's a lot of, a lot of roadblocks in the way of area control, right? Of area uh, majority. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. And then you, but you also have like a lot of flexibility to kind of like move your pieces out and other people are trying to do stuff so they, you know, they increase their influence. And yeah, I'm not, you know, I know we're, we're 
we're rolling here, but like <laughs> dominant species marina is like really, really interesting. Um, everybody I've played it with who has never played either dominant species or just, you know, um, one of my friends who doesn't like GMT games mm-hmm. was like, oh, I like this game. <laughs> oh, I want to play that. Cassie. Oh, that was Cassie. <laughs> oh, wow, Cassie. But, yeah, but um, yeah, but de- definitely check out Dominant Species Marine because it's it's also cool because the different tiles, there is an action, a worker placement action you can take that'll score a tile, but you can also, they all, every tile scores at the end of the game too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you want to spread your species. I have not played. I, play I have not played Marine. Um, I I did not like Dominant Species. I liked ninety really? percent of the game, but I thought that the take that aspect of the game just was um, too much. It was incongruous with the rest of with the rest of the game. It just felt wrong. And my understanding is that is that Marine did not really change that. But mm. I want to play Marine. I, I, Let's play it. It, it was a heartbreak for me because I loved ninety percent of dominant species. We'll, we'll play marine and see what you I think. Would like to, I would like. To, I, I have wanted to play marine ever since before I even knew everyone here. You guys talked about it on the podcast, and uh, I was like, I really need to play that. My number four. Oh, he's got another box, guys. <laughs> I have. I have five boxes. Down moving here. us around the in world. Order. This is uh, oh. this version is Raja Palastbao in Indian. Which is the German edition of Maharaja, uh. which is a uh, Kramer and Kiesling game, which has a new version out right now. This game is flawed but amazing. The new version <laughs> seems to have corrected the flaws. Oh, okay, good! Cool. Like seriously corrected the flaws. the The idea is is that the Maharaja is going to be moving around to these cities in India, and you are trying to build palaces. You're trying to build, and there are interior palaces which are super fancy in the center, and then there are outer palaces and things like that. And you could also build houses there. You could also put advisors there and stuff like that. And you basically want to put on a show for for the Maharaja when the Maharaja comes. That's when that place is going to score. Remember when I said a big part of this these this design timing. is timing, right? Mm-hmm. Is like when does it score? Because that's as important as anything. Well, in this game, you have a hidden action selection disc which has two arrows on it, and you're going to put those arrows on the two actions you are going to perform that turn, and then everybody reveals. And so it's things like move and build, move and you know build a house, build a build a palace change things up but but the amazing thing about the game is that the maharaja has a schedule the maharaja is going to be here in this turn and then the next turn he's going to this city and then the next he's going to this city and one of the actions is change the maharaja's schedule so you are swapping oh. out the destination. So you know how in, in these games, right? It's like if everybody's fighting over this big territory here, some people say, well, I'm going to go to this territory where nobody is, yeah. and that's going to score very, very soon. Well, all of a sudden, those calculations become much more fraught because what if he doesn't ever get there mm. <laughs> what if he's what if he doesn't what if he doesn't That's go cool. now or what if you pick a territory that isn't supposed to score for a long time and nobody's going there but all of your other actions are moving up the schedule so that suddenly you are scoring that and possibly scoring that multiple times before the game is over wow that's uh, very interesting it's it's pretty darn good, and it, and there are variable player powers in the game as as well. So people will have certain advantages. The other thing that's interesting about the game is that the way it scores is it scores based on money, 
not victory points. So when the Maharaja goes to a place, whoever has the most total of palaces and interior palaces and all that sort of stuff is going to get 10 or 12 bucks. And the second player is going to get eight, or the third player is going to get four, or, or whatever, which is important because it costs money to build these palaces. It costs money to travel oh. from city to city. Mm-hmm. So you're racing not so much to to score victory points in these areas, but to get enough money to keep building things, to keep your engine going. Right. Fascinating game. Fascinating game. I need to get the new edition because we need to play the new edition. Uh, this is a race game. This edition is a race game. And in the other edition, it's just most victory points at the end of a certain set time. Okay. That's much better because, like I said, this is an a keeping your engine going game. And, it's yeah. one, and in this version, people can just be left behind and realize, oh, I am three steps behind <laughs> in the race, and there is no legitimate way that I can catch up in the race. And that, that, that was the problem with the initial edition. But the, I think it's fixed in the new edition. Can't wait. That sounds very exciting. Number so, three. So real quick, sure, now's yeah. a good time for me to mention that I kind of selfishly picked this topic because I wanted to get some recommendations. Oh. And now I'm loving this. I'm loving yeah. hearing it. Are you getting some recommendations? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, I was wondering... I'll wait to the end of the list because there's a there's a game that's not on my list and I'm not trying to sneak it on, but I'm wondering whether it counts as majority How or control. Dare you? And I was wondering. I'll ask at the end so okay. that way you know because uh, I think it's probably it's probably worth mentioning. But sure. I'll come back to it. My number three that I think is a really interesting. Um, uh, it's an interesting take on area control, which um, is is Wildcatters. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Wildcatters, same designers as Coffee Traders, which you could and first Capstone release, I believe. I think it was, was the, it really. I believe it was the very first Capstone game. I'm not positive, but I think so. So same, uh, I, and I I like this one for the area, area control in much the same ways that I enjoyed uh, Coffee Traders, but I only played Coffee Traders once, which is why I did not include it. But same designers. Uh, the game reminds me of playing Plinko because you do so <laughs> much stuff in this game and you're like, why am I doing all this stuff? And essentially what you're doing, you're doing, you're, you're in the world of oil, big oil, and you are going to all the, all the continents, you're going to so many different countries and you are finding oil and you are striking oil, you're bidding to have to build oil, oil rigs. And you are, then once you get the oil rigs, you have to put them on like a train and say, get it from the train to the boat, from the boat to the refinery, or maybe not the refinery. The hear- you're sending oil all around this giant logistical game and you're doing all this stuff and you say to yourself, now, why am I doing all this? What am I, why am I sending my oil here or there or whatever? <laughs> and the reason is because your little oil barrels that you extract from the rigs that you send on the trains, that you send on the ships, that you go, that go wind up somewhere else. The reason why you have this entire supply chain is because when the oil when the oil finally gets to where it needs to go, it filters down into a little part of the board, <laughs> and <laughs> and that is your area control. And essentially, it's like at the end of the game. I think it's at the end of the game, yeah. or maybe I don't know. I think they're scoring every round. Scoring, yeah. But it's like whoever has the most uh, oil barrels in South America gets this many points. Whoever has the most here in second place. So you do this, and you have to create this giant supply chain that we all have bits and pieces of so when i I put on candace's train i gotta pay candace but then candace gives it to this thing and it's kind of amazingly convoluted and it's like a very in a very fun way convoluted yeah and uh it all trickles down ultimately 
to area control. I mean, that's cool. where the, that's almost true. the majority it's, of all the points it's are. It's on my area. list. It's on my. I think it's on our carnival of games, and I've been. I've actually been wanting to play it since I played coffee. And you traders. see a lot of similarities in coffee traders. Sorry to say, I'd like it. I don't love it, but I, I, I think it's a gorgeous, gorgeous game. Oh, yeah. It's certainly a fun and certainly a fun way to spend a, a, a few hours. It's really fun. Yeah. No. Cool. Uh, my number three yes. is Europe Divided. Mm. So this is a two-player kind of Twilight Struggle-like game that I played for the first time a couple months ago. Um, and one player is uh, controlling like uh, Europe, the EU, and NATO, and then the other player is Russia. And it's a card-driven game, mm-hmm. again similar to um, Twilight Struggle. But you you have uh, you get dealt a hand of or you are given a hand of cards for your faction. And then you also have these headline cards and each round you put out a headline card and this is some kind of scoring condition. So you, you know, kind of know you get to pick which one you're going to put. Right. Um, but at some point, I think there's one that comes out that people don't know about and you're, you're competing to try to win both of them, hopefully. But on the map, uh, you're, t- you're playing cards to take actions and some of your actions are like, paying to put a die out in an area mm-hmm. because dice are used to keep track of how much influence you have. So you just tick up, you know, it doesn't have, it's, it's dice that don't have pips, but they just have numbers on them. Right. So you're kind of developing your influence in different areas. And when you get to a five or six, I believe, then uh, all of a sudden you kind of like control that area and you add a card to your deck but when you're as you start controlling more areas, these cards you're adding to your deck are weaker Clogging than the, the ones, yeah, yeah, are weaker than the ones that you had uh, your in your original deck. So it's like you're you're balancing this. You want to like get control of these areas so you have more influence overall for scoring different things. But it's also yeah, again, clogging your deck. And then you also have these uh, two advantage cards that you have. Um, where if you don't use them, they're worth points at the end of like their two scoring periods, I think. But you can use them, and it, sometimes it just opens up these awesome options for you. Uh, but I just I played a really awesome like two player. I actually want to review this at some point on here, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with you or sure. somebody who likes Twilight Struggle. I, think I, would I, be fun I told to- you I want to play this game. Again. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, um, but yeah, the the. The hand management is really interesting and just and then you have these like these army tokens, which you have to use these army tokens is the only way you can like knock somebody six down to a five to try to start getting kind of like dominance in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's really interesting. It's it's really interesting. Europe divided. And it's also this is one of the designers is David Thompson who uh, was one of the designers of Undaunted Normandy yeah. Um, yeah, and War Chest. On a and roll. I, yeah, I think I'm a big... You're oh, a Thompson, I know. I, I'm a big... You're a Thompson head. Yeah, I'm a Thompson head. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've just enjoyed every game that's had his name on it, so... Well, my number three is the second and, and final Martin Wallace game that I will Whoa. be talking we about. We have a box. Please bring up the of box. Of course we have a box. Struggle of Empires. Struggle oh! of Empires is a... Martin Wallace, Monster in a Small Box. Uh, this game takes a while to play. I will say that right away. It is, it. It is, it is so darn good. It is uh, old school Martin Wallace, meaning there's all these different tiles, and you can buy almost any of them at any point, and they all say different things. They all do different things and give you different advantages, and he gives you no help whatsoever in deciding which ones to get and which ones to, to not get. 
The idea being you can play this up to seven players, one of the rare seven-player games. It works really good at seven and six and five. Um, and the idea is is that you're moving pieces on the on the board and putting armies and forts and fleets in in various regions, and yet it's area majority because there are multiple people that can score each region. It's worth seven points and five points and three points for this region and so on and so forth on down the line. The really interesting thing about this, beyond just being a war game that operates as an area majority game, which is a fairly rare thing to, to right? This is mm-hmm. where we get to Ben's area control versus area majority. Most right. war games are you fight, and somebody wins that territory. Like Maria that's, that's, or something. Correct. That's area control. This is area majority, um, which is which is interesting. The second thing that's really interesting is that at the beginning of each round of the game, you are bidding for alliances. Yeah. You are proposing a uh, Ben. I think you're going to be in alliance A, and Candace, you are going to be in alliance B. And I'm bidding two bucks. To make that alliance, oh. and everybody else goes around, and they add to the bet, or they they, they try to they, they try to make that happen, or make that not happen. If you are, and, and the key to it is, is that you can only attack people the next round that are in the opposite alliance. Mm. So which changes every round. Oh my god, it changes change every round. round. Yeah. It's- so half the time, what I want to do is I want to make sure that I am in a, in a super good alliance with the people that are in second place in the regions I'm in first place in because they can't change that. Oh, they can't yeah. attack me. They can't, they can't make that different. It's like alliances. We, I, we, played a, I, we played a prototype called alliances, right? Oh, coalitions. coalitions. Those coalitions. Very similar. And around the same time, I played the, the new deluxe version that Eagle Griffin put out of struggle of empire, so Ooh. I played that. <laughs> it is where like really nice components and stuff. Oh, this is this but is the, the box is this is the old the Warfrog is edition. So much this bigger is, than your yeah, yours is adorable. It's on newsprint, basically. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's but it is. Very I, I totally art. forgot about this game because I've I don't own it and I've only played it once, but it is awesome. It's I fan. never even heard of it. Wow, fantastic! Yeah. We're gonna have to and put it, together a night. And for I don't it. think yeah. it's that hard either. Like it's mm. it's not. It takes a long time to play, but I don't think like the rules are that difficult. I, I'll say that first of all, it plays a little long. It's it's yeah. a, it's a good four hour game. Mm-hmm. Um, second thing is that because there are so many tiles out there, and from the right from the beginning, you can pick any tile and 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 buy it. Uh, there is a feeling of being at sea. There's a feeling of being adrift because people that have played the game might have a better idea. Which and so I try to when I teach the game, I try to say traditionally people have found that this, this t- these tiles are the best. Yeah. Here's here's the the A grade tiles, the B grade tiles, and so on and so forth. And then everything else is situational. Yeah, but I guess what I'm helps. saying is like I didn't think like all those tiles. Like sure there are a lot, but they weren't hard. It's like no, oh true. get a discount when you do this or you know. Yep. Like so that's that's one of the things I really liked about it even though it's like this big game I'm like it's it's not that crazy of a teach it's a yeah. long game yeah. and I think the deluxe the new deluxe version fixed some things with the alliances for lower player, player counts too Oh good I'm I'm probably going to get it cool. at some point That's that's a very cool thing that that alliance bidding for the alliance is sort of Forcing people into uncomfortable relationships. It, yeah, it, it's, it's... And you're bidding, too, so you're spending money. Who do precious. I want to not be able to attack me? And who do I want to beat up? And everyone has a different version of that. And we're all fighting over... We're fighting as much over who we're allied with as we are with the pieces, pieces on the board. It's fascinating. I want this rethemed as, like, Mean Girls. 
Like, I want this retheme where, like, people are, like, <laughs> lunch tables. <laughs> uh, Big Brother? Yeah. Right? Uh, exactly. Just, I, I think uh, Prospero Hall should do Big, Big Brother, Big Brother, Big Brother the game that is, based, that is basically a retheme. really should, actually. <laughs> so, um, you know what's funny? So, Kalamala is uh, essentially the theme that it did have or does have is is essentially about textiles. You're like sort of sure. sending textile Kalamala to you're exporting textiles around the map. That's the theme that sort of sort of like hung on to it. Draped onto it if you will. Sure. Um so I, I will. I the the reason why I mentioned that is I have my second area control game that pertains to textiles. <laughs> I have two t- you guys are like liberty and struggles of empire. I'm like textiles over here. <laughs> Can you guess what my textile uh my textile forward area control area uh, majority game is? I know what it is probably. Predaporte? No, but I did think about that one. Okay. Nippon. No. My uh my number two area majority game is Rococo. <gasps> oh yeah. <gasps> I thought about that. Yeah. I haven't played it yet, though. But I was like, yep. that a, seems interesting. Just because yeah. it's very unexpected, right? Like it's it's um, it's. I think when people think of area majority, they do think of like intense conflict, like war. Not to say fashion isn't war. Fashion is probably more intense than any of these real life things. Do you know if it is supposed to be pronounced Rococo or Rococo? Roco- Rococo. Uh, I call it Rococo. Okay. I don't know if it's supposed to be called. Got it. Rococo, but I. But I I'm gonna feel like my art history professor Rococo. said Rococo. Rococo. But I'm not positive that, that is correct. Rococo. Rocco. You know, it's about, it's about <laughs> I'm gonna go with Rococo. There you go. Um and people can, if I'm wrong, people can just enjoy that and enjoy my my, my flagrant mispronunciation. <laughs> so I'm gonna call it Rococo. Um so Rococo is uh it's a it's a great, great game that recently just got this deluxe Eagle Griffin. Right, mm-hmm. Eagle Griffin re-release with Eno Tool. I actually personally enjoy the art of the original a little bit more than Eno Tools. I feel like the original is like a, just a little bit warmer. Although Eno Tool really leans into the Rococo kind of style of like ornamentation, embellishment, and sure. all that. So the game is that we're in sort of uh, like the Rococo period, sure. and um, and they're uh, Louis. Louis the Fourteenth, I believe. Louis XIV, oui. uh, just perhaps, uh, just like maybe a month or so before the Liberté. Um, <laughs> maybe this is like the prequel to Liberté. Like Liberté happens because of this one. Uh, he's having a ball in his mansion, and we are creating dresses for the ball. And it's about dressmaking, which just based on love that it. is such a like I cool love theme, yeah, a cool theme, one that's not visited enough. And so uh, we're making dresses. Say yes to the dress, the board game. <laughs> <laughs> Say yes to the ball gown. Um, and we are competing to, to make these ball gowns uh, and to send them to the ball. And this, we see sort of like this mansion and, uh, or chateau. And uh, there's different rooms in the chateau. And in each room, there's like room for a certain number of basically dresses. Actually, it's not just dresses. It's also suits. But there's enough, and, and we were trying to have the most dresses in each and suits in each room. And so you get, at the end of the game, you get points for having the most presence, your f- most fashion presence. And um, aside from being just a very fun game, like the like it's a, it's essentially a deck builder. Um, it's also just a fun theme. You get really into it, and you can start to sort of LARP it a little bit. Like, oh, here's a beautiful new thing from the House of Mandelker or something. It's a great game. Awesome. Number two. Number two is Time of Crisis. Oh. So I had another GMT game You're on my list GMT. that I'm wondering. 
Well, the Europe divided is, is uh, phalanx, I think. Got it. Okay. But um, well, time of crisis because I think time of crisis has a really cool deck construction mechanism with it. So it's like kind of a hybrid war game, Euro game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is ancient Rome and we're kind of competing to get influence over Rome at the time when like barbarians are invading. So you go through all these different phases where there there's an event round and then players are going to play a hand of cards. And in this game, your hand of cards, you are... Um, choosing from your deck it's not a random draw so that's one thing that's really unique but it's like hey if you put all your um your good cards in your first hand then you're left with bad cards so you really there's a really interesting hand management element there are three different types of cards like one that's red is like military then there's yellow and blue and you know they're they're helping you do different things and you have different types of kind of unit tokens that you can put out into areas where you're trying to uh get get more influence than other people. Mm-hmm. The other really interesting thing is that you're when you're buying cards, you get the opportunity to buy cards at the end of each round. You're the amount you can spend depends on kind of like how much influence you have different places. Right. But uh you're you know choosing these cards like there's a kind of one of these public markets where you just have stacks of I don't know, maybe a a dozen cards are out there and you know there's just the same cards. It's not like a random shuffle all these cards and throw some into the market. Like everybody has access to different cards, but you can only afford to get certain leveled cards. Um, yeah. So again, like it has a really cool hand management thing. It has the area majority scoring uh, where you're trying to get these legacy points. And one of the things that I love about it, I think it is Rome, but there's a there's an area you were fighting over that um, the player who has their control over it the most influence there for the most amount of turns in the game right get some bonus at the end of the game mm. so it's almost like a mechatol rex sort of situation Whoa. and i i got some i'm sorry that, that's I'm, that's I'm, twilight emporium or emporium imperium i would play twilight emporium <laughs> but uh but anyway it has like a lot of really really interesting layers to it for what you're doing and it's not just about like area control it's like you can build different buildings that give you majority and you also are going to have to deal with um other players may be coming in to try to take influence from you, making sure the one player who has the control of that, that Mechatol Rex area, which is like, I believe, just Rome in the game, um, but making sure they don't keep control too long because they're going to be stacking up points. Mm. The king of so the you're, you're, you're doing, yeah. all, but you're doing a lot of different things. And the, the deck building, the deck construction hand management is just really, really good. This is another game I want to review at some point. Oh, all right. All right. Good, 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 good. My number two is, I'm sorry, we're rushing through this because we are running real late, but we're two hours and 20 minutes in. <laughs> oh my goodness. Holy okay. cow. But we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to be professional. We're, we're, we're going to honor the moments. Oh, I love my the number box two. reveal. My number two is a game that I have not played in years and always, always regret not, not bringing out Richard Breeze's classic Reef Encounter. <gasps> I've never played it, but I love fish. Reef Encounter oh, so is good. crazy. How did you, I miss this on you my list? Have, you start off with a, uh, a, a player board with uh, a little bit of coral on it. You mm. start off with four shrimp okay. that can go onto coral and can protect the coral for you, for your parrotfish. You have a box that's your parrotfish that eats the coral. 
You start with a lava cube that can uh, a larva cube that can generate more coral, um, and the coral is all different colors. And nobody owns coral except where your sh- shrimp are, and that reserves coral. Okay. And the, here's the thing: the coral, each coral, is has a different value. Like orange coral, right now on the board, is more valuable than white coral and purple coral, but it's less valuable than yellow coral and blue coral. Mm. And every coral is like that. Okay. And so that means that when I spread out my coral, I can change lesser value coral to my color coral, to the color coral that I'm expanding out. Uh, But it's not really mine unless I have a shrimp there protecting it. And the whole game builds. And the whole. I love a shrimp protector. And and it is a stock market game in a weird way because you can change the, the relative value of one coral to another and ultimately change the way the board is 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 set up and it is area majority in the sense that your goal is to get yourself into a situation where your parrotfish can feed and when your parrotfish feeds four coral are thrown away so you only feed on what coral you have more than four to to grab onto oh. which is really really hard right and at the end of the game, whatever coral is in your parrotfish box, and no one else can see what's in your parrotfish box, right? It's like uh, it's it's a little hidden thing at the end of the game. You know, you can keep track of it in your mind, maybe a little bit, but it's hard to do. What coral do you have in there, and how valuable is that coral on the coral stock market that has yeah. the, that is being Such manipulated in the game? The ability to spread your coral out to change the value of coral in relation to other coral. Uh, to protect them with your with your shrimp and to find the right moment to score by eating them with the parrotfish and thereby changing the dynamics of the board is the weirdest, wildest, most awesome area control mechanism ever. It is my number two only because there there can be only one, which we will get to in a, in a minute. But uh, Reef Encounter, uh, sadly, virtually completely unavailable. But if you ever get a chance to play, Play Reef I got I got a copy of it wow. like about a year ago because I, I think I saw it on heavy cardboard or somebody was talking about it. I was like, this is so cool. It's like, crazy good. It's really, really good. And I'm sad that I missed it on my list just because I kind of forgot about it. And super <laughs> fun to describe. I mean, shrimp, your shrimp bodyguards, you have your parrotfish. I mean, that was yeah. just a delight to listen to. <laughs> Right. Number one, sir. All right. My number one is a game. Punch, punch him if he mentions any of his uh, honorable mentions. Uh, I'm scared. Uh, actually, <laughs> it was it was briefly mentioned. My number one yeah. is Nippon. I oh. knew it. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. I, I, I knew it would make you so happy. I love um, it. Uh, I love Nippon. It used, at one point in my life, it was a top five game. It was like maybe even like number two or something. Uh, I absolutely adore Nippon. Um, it's a really, really smart game. Um, and at, at its heart, it is an area majority game. Um, it may sort of dangle other strategies that make you think it could maybe not be an area majority game, but the designers themselves say, when people have complained about like, hey, the money strategy doesn't work, the designers have said, that's because it's an area majority game. They've like literally said it. And um, you are, uh, you're basically uh, building up industry in Japan, sort of turn of the century or, or right before late 1800s. And although turn of the century is different now, now turn of the century means yeah now, which is sad. But um, in 1800s, you're building 
factories and you are you are producing goods and then you're sending those goods out to various markets and that allows you to exert a certain amount of influence and um, at very various points of the game which are sort of variable whoever has the most influence is going to get a certain amount of points it happens three times over the course of the game and um, the game is interesting because everything you do to get the influence out on the board is really fun um, and different and there's engine building, etc. But also, the way you exert influence influence in this game is fascinating because it's not a game where it's like, okay, um, I I just made three light bulbs, so therefore I get to put three things in that region. No, you have like certain tiles. Like you have you have like one tile that's worth three, one tile that's worth four, one tile that's worth seven. So when you put your five out there I, I would think it's the five that's your only instance of being able to use a five and so now you have to think about like that's going to affect what sort of output you put out there mm-hmm. and there's various other considerations but this is sort of like wildcatters where it's kind of like a large plinko machine and <laughs> whatever you're doing in the end like out pops some influence and you put it out on the map and it's just it's so and then fun managing those different color workers too like those meeples uh, and what's it's, your game is oh, Nipp- so, Nippon is a great great they're, game they're crazy they yeah. had a period really where and they're one game a year for like five years were all exceptional yeah they've kind of I think they're glorious I think they had some issues when they lately, but uh, in terms of just like management, like company management. But yeah. I know, I, I believe that once they get fixed that, they'll start turning out great games again. Totally. Totally. Candace, what is your number one? My number one, one is Nippon. <laughs> That's what I was like. I know we're both going to have it on our list. Yeah. So anyway, yep. You just heard it all from Ben. There but you go. I, I, this was a game that... Uh, I think I played with you and maybe one other person on Board Game Arena mm-hmm. sometime last summer or something like that. I don't remember when I played it, but it was another. It was a game where I, re- as I'm reading the rules, I was like, "Oh, I love this! Oh, I love this! Great. Oh, I love this!" I was like in love with it before I even played, and then I played, and I was more in love with it, and I also tracked down a copy of that. It's great. It's on Board Game Arena, by the way. That's yeah. a, oh, oh nice. That, that's I, yeah. I it's on Board American Game Arena. website. I don't know. That is. That's a, that is a, oh, no, isn't it owned by Asmodee now? I think it's French. Actually. I think it is owned by Asmodee. But either way, it's yeah. so European. Yeah. It's a really, really that's a, fun, delightful yep. game. Uh, so now I'm slamming Europeans and the English and the Scots in one podcast. Let it be known. I just want to make sure that everybody out there knows that, uh, as my Scotch wife will tell you, Scotch English wife will tell you, uh, I, I love the English people. I love the Scottish people. I love the European people. I really, really do. I'm just having some, some fun pretending that I am an Irishman that is obsessed with ancient conflicts. I am not. I love you all dearly, dearly, dearly. As you can tell by my, my, by my Martin Wallace obsession, I love you have, the you, have a, you have a complicated relationship to the continent. Yeah, probably. <laughs> my number one, how could it be anything yes! else? I knew you were going to choose yes! that. It's El Grande. El, yeah. El Grande is the, is the Ur. It is the uh, Rosetta Stone. It is the Hammurabi text of area control game. So good. It is amazing for how simple it is. You play a card numbered 1 to 13. Whatever card you play, somebody else cannot play that same card. The higher the card you play, the earlier you choose which of the five actions that are available. The lower you play, the more uh, uh, the more of your cubes 
come into your supply and are able to be used in, in that turn and in future turns. Of the five actions, one is the king's action. Every time, the king's action locks down a region so that it cannot be changed. And also, it defines what areas people can put their cubes into because you can only go into an area that's adjacent. The one, the lowest space, is always an intrigue space, which invariably involves moving people's cubes, returning people's cubes, putting putting cubes in different uh, setups, and move and generally messing with the board in an interesting way. And invariably, one of the spaces also involves scoring something, scoring the ones that only score four, the ones that only score five, score the Castillo. Uh, the Castillo itself is just brilliant. There is a black box into which you can put pieces that will score as the black box, and then they will go somewhere else and mess up that region as well. The only reason it's not on my list yeah. is because I knew it was going to be yes! on yours. <laughs> and, the only, and the only reason why it's not on my list is because I don't enjoy it. Wow. I, I actually respect this game. <laughs> I respect this game, but it's actually, it's not really about the game. This is a, Piece this is a personal garbage. Thing. <laughs> no, because I was realizing Get as, out. You, as you were describing this game. Get out your gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, as you were describing, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's definitely, it's, it's a great game. And uh, I did, I mean, I had a nice time, but I realized when I'm looking at my my five choices, I have been saying the Plinko thing. I mm-hmm. realize my style of area majority is when you're doing all these other things and the culmination is that. And for me, El Grande is like actually its most purest form. It's like everything yeah, you're doing is up, about just putting cubes up. on. Um, and like that's front and center. And so that's where it just it doesn't like click with my sensibilities. But I fully like the intelligence of the design is, is 100% there. I still find it really interesting, even though, yeah, it is a little more, you know, less other things going on with the area majority. Come on, it's it's not twenty different mechanics, one of which is area majority. It is an area majority game. I was actually expecting you to have uh, imperial struggle. I thought so too. On on your because I I thought about it too. Well, here's the thing: as far as interesting goes, I think the twilight struggle and imperial struggle are the area the area majority aspects of those games are relatively simple. The games are tremendously layered, trem- the, the games are tremendously yeah. complex and there's a lot going on but the actual area majority the actual area majority uh, uh, concept isn't that isn't that robust it's great it's fa- listen I love those games absolutely love those games um but yeah um, well, what about Tammany Hall that was the one I was going to ask is that area control or area majority in have your mind? not played Tammany Hall can't say I have that I haven't played it yet it's, either ooh, it is I mean it's actually an amazing game and it is like but it's like traumatic <laughs> it's like it's like you need like it's like it, it takes it takes a lot you have to like really gear up for it because it is um, I, I just I haven't played it in forever so I don't know if it's more of a majority than a control but ooh, it is it is a it's an intense, intense game. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we want to thank you for sticking with this podcast for our long haul truckers who are most of who listen to our podcast. <laughs> we hope that we were able to uh, to, to uh, entertain you during your drive from Duluth to Mobile. Uh, <laughs> And back. <laughs> and back, yes. And back. Uh, guys, it's such a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be podcasting with 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 you guys individually and especially together. Uh, I, I had such fun. Thanks for having Me us. Me too, yeah. Today. Thank you. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Game Brain Pod, a Facebook group, a Discord channel, Somalia Questions. We want Somalia Questions. We had one today. We, we ran out of time. We're not even going to be able to do it. Uh, and you... 
have been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, and Trey Allsup. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And special thanks to Edamar Peleg for our incredible graphics. You can get amazing graphics of your own by checking him out at Kerbaloni.com, K-A-R-B-O-O-L-O-N-I.com. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com. And go play some games with friends. Mm-hmm.